And welcome back to the New Age Boxing Podcast with me, Andy White, and with me today we have Mike Theobald. Yo! And we have Terry Chapandama. Questions might be answered today. Well, that is actually true, given we don't have that many, and... I've got more questions about what we were just discussing off-air, but... Don't worry know, about that. I don't think that's suitable for the podcast. Don't wait for another day. <laughs> yeah. Caref- um, careful who you match on Tinder. Yeah. Yeah. And where does it go on a transsexual? Who knows? (laughs) 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 We're in. Where does it go? Um, It. How was your... uh, I was going to say how was your weekends, but I think it'd be more interesting to ask, how have your weeks been on Twitter, the pair of you? All right. What's wrong with my week on Twitter? uh, Oh, (laughs) Bunsy. Fucking cunt. Absolute cunt. Mine's been quite painless. I I don't know. I haven't haven't got into it with anyone. No, but you had fun, didn't you? With oh, with with Tabs and Terry Ann. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, that 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 was. I was, you know, I was there halfway through that thread, and I had a towel in my hands. I was trying to throw it in. Nobody was paying attention. For the love of God, (laughs) ref kicked it back out. (laughs) Be like Ingle. Brooks just getting pummeled. Um, Martin's embracing the casual side of life tonight, um, having only seen as much boxing as I have. Yeah, fact, well, I have I mo- seen as m- more than you? Did, did you watch Kelbrook Rabchenko? Nope. So I have actually seen a little bit more than you. Yep. I was in my brother-in-law's thirtieth last night, which went on till like one in the morning. Wow. I'm surprised then... you're functioning today. No, I was driving. Oh. Um, and so yeah, today I've then been at home with the three kids. Um, and so I've not had a chance to watch anything other than sh- little YouTubers playing twatty toys and stuff. If you've got kids, you're not. I'm on about YouTube. Will look at me blank faced. See, but you're already you're full of bile and. Victory. Oh, mate, I've got it all built up, all built up. Terry, are None. you are you uh, ready? To, you're, are you calm today? I'm. Uh, look, I I'm in the mood to be conciliatory, and I'm about building bridges today. I'm gonna burn those fuckers down. Serious. <laughs> I like how the roles are reversed. <laughs> a can of petrol and a match. Yeah. But Bulioni's a great fighter. Really um, talented, can go all the way. Right, so we're, we're going to start with reviews. Um, but where do you want to start? Do you want to start well, America up, or England? It's up to you, mate. You know what I mean? We're just puppets in your big game of domination. Well, you'd like to think so. We're going to be conciliatory a minute ago. <laughs> <laughs> you'd like to think so. But normally, I'll say, for example, let's talk about... Waldo Ortiz, and you'll go, nah. (laughs) (laughs) Can't do this on the phone. Exactly, yeah. Actually, we're talking about stuff that's unimportant. Um, We were meant to have (laughs) Rob Tebbett today, and everyone knows got loads of love for Rob. Rob couldn't make it today because Rob's doing 
family grown stuff. man family stuff which we really respect because Rob's been doing 80 hours a week for behind the gloves for the last yeah. however long getting shafted by blowjob Phelps <laughs> <laughs> there goes a conciliatory Terry <laughs> and he's back yeah but behind look the gloves look at the guns on him behind I'm not the sure gloves. it works when you've got bad cop bad cop <laughs> they, need, find out. they need to get the checkbook out and pay Hi. Rob Tebbuk hey fight fans Hey, fight fans. Hey, Cleavage fans. Hey, slut fans. Pay Rob Tebbett triple whatever he was on before. Because and double it. The last thing I ever want to see on a boxing interview is Michelle Joy Phelps with her tits half hanging out during an interview who knows literally fuck all about the sport. She's a disgrace. She should not be involved in terms of interviewing fighters because you watch her and she doesn't know what she's talking about. So... I mean, I'm not an expert on what an interviewer should be, but at least to have a base knowledge of what you're interviewing about would be pretty useful. Do you know what I'd really respect? I disagree with that. Do you know what? I mean, <laughs> honestly, but at least you watch Wilder. She probably doesn't know what a Wilder is. <laughs> well, she yeah. probably does. Yeah, in the bedroom. <laughs> yeah, there's a tweet about that somewhere, right? No, but here's the thing about Michelle Joy Phelps. Just do a show called Pillow Talk. Shag the boxer, then do the interview afterwards in bed. <laughs> Let's just strip... Fucking hell. How was it for you? <laughs> let's, let's just strip out the pretense that this is meant to be some kind of serious operation. Actually, give Rob his credit. Rob Rob kind of elevated beer behind the gloves from being, from being basically like almost like drunk slag chasing men in a nightclub to, you know, real boxing talk. And I really respect Rob. Um, I know he's doing a little bit of work with Seconds Out. I'm going to slap him when I see him because he promised his first interview would be me. And I would, this is all the stuff that would have been in the interview, Rob, man. We could have really stuck it to her. But look, Behind the Gloves has no place here. We've already got videographers here. Get the fuck out. Like, you know, I'm if not... If you're not going to do it seriously, yeah. e.g. that, then just have the program in the ring with Michelle Joy Phelps. But she's moving here. Pillow here <laughs> in the ring. But she's moving here. To Manchester, mo- yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Yeah, Rob Tebbett proving there that if you let your mates do your contract negotiations, they'll definitely go four guns for you. He needs to get paid, what was it, triple? I mean, we've just ruined any chance. (laughs) Now look, all that we're doing is saying Rob is the best thing that was ever on that channel. And without Rob, I have zero reason to watch that channel. So IFL, for me, is the only one that accesses those big promoters that I've got any interest in. I watch Fight Talk for the small hall guys. um, But aside from that, Behind the gloves had a good thing going, and for whatever reason, whether it's pay, whether it's hours, whatever it is, I know Rob's got a young family. He's such a sound bloke. They've ruined it. They've ruined their opportunity to actually make a proper fist of it. And 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 the, the thing is, and I know a lot of young boxers listen to this. Don't be suckers for being on behind the gloves because that doesn't drive anything for your marketability. I promise you, right? Don't be suckers. If you have to do those interviews, just treat it. I mean, just be, it's a perfunctory relationship. It is fine. But don't be a sucker for it because then you become part of the problem. This is the thing. Michelle Joy Phelps assumes she's doing something really important. But she isn't really because I know there are boxes that are like, you know, you've got to do stuff if you really want to talk to me. If you want to get those views, I want to get my views. Do you know what I mean? So, and, and, and I know someone's going to go, oh my God, these guys are so sexist. It's not, my issue with Michelle Joy Phelps isn't really that she's a woman. It's that she knows fuck <laughs> really? all about boxing. 
and she's almost playing the female card in order to call herself a pioneer in boxing. And everyone knows I'm fed up of these women calling themselves pioneers in boxing like shit didn't exist before. Shouts out to Rob, though, man. Like, we love you, man. You're yeah. one of and us. And again, it's not because she's a female. There are females out there that do a good job within boxing. Brooke. Brooke Stretfield, 100%. Knows her stuff. Knows what she's on about. Writes a good story. Writes a good fight report. Brooke knows what she's doing and she grafts and she grafts and she, and she keeps grafts. on learning. Brooke, like, you get on the phone to Brooke and she'll grill you. Like, what about this? What about that? And you respect it. And she does like, it from, like, the amateur scene all the way through to the big shows. Everything. And so Brooke knows her stuff and she puts the hours in. I do not believe for one second Phelps knows her stuff. I just think she's eye candy and like just which pointless. I, which I don't mind, but be credible with it. A hundred percent. If she knew what she was on about and she was hot, then yeah. the hotness is irrelevant. Yeah. But she doesn't know what she's And it's about. also enhanced. It's irrelevant, but enhanced. Yeah, yeah. But I think she's enhanced anyway. That's the same through loads checked, of sports though. though. You get that across loads like it's almost like the looks come first and then ooh, hopefully they'll, they'll educate themselves with the exposure to the but sport. But she's, in other sports, you have somebody else who's the forefront of the product. She is the product. And without Rob around, she is the product. Rob and so why would I want to watch something? Honestly, like, it's just terrible. I might as well watch Babe Station with a boxer like on the TV next to me or something because that's <laughs> the, the amount of sense that I'm going to get out of it. Because what Rob did is Rob gave it that kind of intellectual... <laughs> So Rob gave it that intellectual heft behind it. So you could watch the Michelle Joy Phelps interviews, which are a bit stupid, a bit frivolous, just, you know, probably appeal to the casuals who like to beat off to her and stuff. And then Rob would give you that, that I've done my research. I've got questions here. And I used to like it because he'd walk you onto a shot, literally. Yeah, yeah. Like, like he, he'd drag you down the garden path and then he'd be like, no, 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 no. But two weeks ago, this is what you said. Is, you know, do, do you want to elaborate on that? No, I don't. Fuck off. <laughs> and that's why you respected him because like, if you weren't on your game like Rob would catch you out now who do you replace him with maybe behind the gloves have found some new superstar no idea but from what I hear Michelle Joy Phelps is absolutely horrible to work for but which doesn't surprise me because I don't think she has a clue about anything I don't, I don't think she knows what fucking day it is I'd question the sort of person who would watch a boxing match and then wank off over the interview no but honestly the amount of thirsty <laughs> Like yes, the interviews. <laughs> the amount of thirsty blokes when she like puts up something on Twitter, the first thing you see is these geezers going, "Oh, Michelle, you look so fantastic in that." Like, give it a rest. She's not going to shag you because you write something yeah. nice on Twitter. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like absolute. Do you know what? Ben. It's, it's, like, love, it's like guys that open doors. Those get shot down. They're on there. They'll say you'll see a bird say something, um, and she'll be there just you is in her profile picture, all like lips puckered or whatever, and. Some bloke will say whatever, and then someone else will come on and go, She's not gonna shag you. <laughs> no, but, but it's true. Because, look, like when you, I do this all the time on the tube, Woman, I, sorry, number one, bad. golden rule in life I, I never give up my seat on the tube, don't give a fuck who you are, right? <laughs> but I'll see these Why I'll, does that not surprise me? But I'll see these guys, they'll give up their seat for a woman, and it's, it's, not, it's not the ugly one, they've let oh, the ugly one stand for seven sh- stops, right? The attractive <laughs> one comes on, they give up their seat, and then they give her this look like. You know you got to shag me, right? And then she's like, no, no, you just gave me a seat. When did this happen? This happened, mate, just sit on the tube. You'll see it at least <laughs> 10 times in one journey. And you know, because guys will do this, right? Guys will try and be the hero to a woman. Then they give them that look like, you got to give me something. Now, come on. And I'm like, you beta male 
blowjob giving motherfuckers stop. <laughs> right? There's so much boxing to talk. We're talking about men trying to shag on tubes and I, babe station. I, I don't know if you guys are on Instagram, but if, no. you've, if you've ever seen when an attractive woman puts something and there's always that guy, and I, what's the thought process here where you're like going, you, you're amazing. I, I, yeah. I, I love you. I just, I'd love to just hold your hand and maybe not even <laughs> kiss, but just look at you. And I'm like, what kind of effect were you hoping that had? And this is why men turn into Harvey Weinstein because it's like, well, I have no clue how to deal with women, so I'm going to go and get shitloads of power and then prove, yeah, and then prove that I have no idea how to deal with women. Oh, this is wonderful. Like, right, g- give me a scenario where we go from Babe Station to the London Underground to Harvey Weinstein. <laughs> go, put it from the New Age boxing mincer, and it comes out as something coherent. But now, good to see Rob's away from behind the gloves. And hopefully he's a far happier man and he gets to elevate his craft on an appropriate platform and he keeps holding those that control the strings to account. Okay, behind the gloves. Tick. Ruined. Um, do you want to talk about boxing or do you want to talk about Steve Bunce? Do you want to leave that? We probably ought to do some boxing really, don't we? Oh, no, I want Buncey though, man. Like, I think <sighs> no one really listens to us for the boxing anyway. <laughs> Oh, Buncey's just a penis. I can't be bothered with him. It's right. So p- give us porn, some... porn to F6, Queen to F1, check. Are we, are we, ha- are we having any... Con- what context do you give No, us? right. So I can't even remember what it was. There was something on Twitter the other day and I said, oh, it's a shit. That's it. They weren't showing. They've got their show on Friday night at your yes. call. The Frank Warren show. Ah, uh, yes. I responded to the my same friend, tweet. My friend Frank. Um... And they do this show from York Hall where it's all their prospects. Um, and so they had Sanjeev Sohota as well as a number of others that are out on it. And then somebody asks, is this going to be shown on Box Nation? Box Nation being the Frank Warren channel dedicated to boxing. And Buncey says, no, it's not going to be. Um, but we will record it and we'll show it on a delay. And I'm like, well, why would you do that? So I just tweeted back, shit channel, glad I cancelled it. <laughs> <laughs> which implies you ever paid for it in the first I did. place I did, did you? Pay, no I did for one month when they did free <laughs> <laughs> when they did free registration around <laughs> around Rigondale Lomachenko so how much have you actually ten paid pounds. <laughs> 10 English pounds ten and I bunts. hope none of that went to bunts I hope none of that's in your retirement pot because you'll fucking need it soon anyway anyway um, but look so I tweeted that and he tweeted me back going, oh, you're criticising a channel that's shown more boxing, more fights, international and um, European European than any other boxing, no, any other channel in the UK since 2011. I'm like, there is no other boxing channel, you freaking penis. <laughs> like, what other channel do you think is going to rival that? And, that did, doesn't... And, and did you also bring up the fact that... that, that by using that just ra- that statistic, that also would include repeats of old. Well, yeah, it could, no, be any- it could mean anything. I said instead of that, you're probably going to end up with Chris Eubank Jr. versus Billy Joe Saunders because they have to show that every half hour, I think, <laughs> like legally, contractually. Oh wow! And so he said, "Oh, you're some fan," and I said, "Well, I could just go on TV and like just compare everybody's CV to Mike Tyson, like you do, some pundit." Uh, <laughs> 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 um, 
Yeah, and then he he called me plastic and um, a waster. I think it was. Yeah, yeah. See, but but Bunsy's problem is he just likes to get stuck in because because I saw the tweet and I just asked. I said, "So, so mate, what's the what's the fucking point of Box Nation then? If if you've already spent the the money to to record to put the, the production thing, in place, how much extra does it cost to just show it live? But also, let's not forget the last Saturday they didn't show the under or a lot of the undercard for yeah. the Anthony Yard show. There mm. were like four or five boxers: Boy Jones Jr., Umar Sadiq, a handful of others that didn't get shown live. Now you've got Box Nation; you're going to show it. You're going to show it on BT Sport. But I told you, it you always show does, that. But it, does, it implies that Frank Warren's going. Oh, no, and I've got good stuff I'm not going to put on there. Well, Box no, well, Nation's for the shit well, stuff that well, you're going to pay for. Well, well you, you, know, you, know who sh- you know who should make an appearance at this point, right? I mean, Mr. Greyhair might make an appearance and offer his view on that. Who? Yeah, God, fucking hell, mate. <laughs> you know who it is. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> Greyhair tracksuit brigade. Look, back. Yeah. In the old days, you didn't show everything, man. You had to keep something hidden, you know, keep the fans guessing what was really going on behind the scenes. You know what I mean? You just show everything. They know everything, don't they, these fans? You don't want them to know everything. But I get the counter argument. <laughs> Some people are saying, you know, look, um, Connor Ben gets criticised because he's so early in his career and he's been shown on TV. I don't get that argument, right? Because Eddie Hearn only gets, say, three, four hours a week on Sky. So he, by right, should be showing the best available boxing out of his stable, which may not necessarily be Conor Ben. Box Nation is there for 24 hours a day. (laughs) Like, you've got to fill that with some shit. Normally, Buncey's Boxing Hour or Chris Eubank Jr. versus Billy Joe Saunders. (laughs) Where where Buncey just gets his mates on. Yeah, yeah. I remember 1965. Shut up, you dinosaur. No one gives a fuck. (laughs) Right? (laughs) So instead, why not show something that's relevant? And these young lads are coming up. Because if I was on that show, if I was the boxer, if I was Sanjeev Sahota on Friday night, and instead they showed the World Series of Boxing, the amateur stuff, you're basically telling me that my career isn't as important to broadcast live as the World Series of Boxing. But but, but think about this, right? Two fighters, same camp, 2-0. Umar Sadiq, and Dan Aziz. More people have seen Dan Aziz box on yep. some form of media than have seen Umar Sadiq. Umar Sadiq signed to the bigger promoter. Yeah. That, that's insane. That is absolutely insane. <laughs> yeah. You know? So, look, I mean, as I say, the, the stuff... Rob, Rob, see- Rob, ask Frank why he doesn't just show the whole fucking card and also ask him, what's the point of Box Nation? Don't get sued, though. <laughs> yeah, so Buncey, like... I say he just to get so personal of like oh plastic waste you're some fan I'm like fuck off you piece of shit because if you were on like a, a few years back your paycheck was coming from Matchroom so if you were on Twitter a few years back you'd have been sucking the cock of Eddie Hearn every Satanta. single tweet just not forget Satanta Satanta so for him to then go on about now Box Nation being the best you're only doing that because your paycheck's coming from there if Eddie Hearn opened up the paycheck and like offered him double what he's getting on Box Nation then he'd be all over that instead and telling me why that's the best broadcaster for it. So he's an absolute scumbag. But we've got, we've, just, we've just got, basically, we've got this whole circuit of bell and pundits. That's the only way you can describe well, it. What's different about boxing, though? I mean, it's the same in football. It is. Well, okay, no, no, no. Football, here's an example, right? Like, you've got, like, no. bland commentators that just say bland things and, like, no, no, but, but, like, but, Jermaine Genus who's just, like, Captain Obvious and everything he says. Well, Man City run away with the league this year. Brilliant, Jermaine. Cheers for that. But yeah, no, but, but <laughs> Jermaine's not going, we're not going to show the first round of the FA Cup. 
even though we've recorded it and we put it out there. <laughs> he's not saying that, is he? He's not coming out as, as like the, the propaganda minister. And even if someone did ask him that question, there's a fair chance he'd say, it's a real shame they're not showing it. But, you know, I understand from the broadcast perspective. You don't get that from Bunsy. You just get, ah, you're a plastic fan. You're a fucking waster. Oh, fuck off. Oh, yeah, exactly. You can tell no, I've been no, pent no, up no, with the kids no, all weekend. No, like, like, in Bunsy's world, if you didn't watch Hagler Hearns in a cinema at four in the morning <laughs> in Leicester Square, in short trousers and a shirt so you could go straight to school afterwards, you're not really a fan. <laughs> it's just the way he talks about things. He might he would go, in 1985, when fucking, I don't know, Fred Blingleblock fought Jeg Jinglejock and at the end he clumped him and that is the technical term, clumped. I know it sounds like I'm talking rubbish, but I'm not. <laughs> clumped is the correct term, right? He clumped him and then afterwards he spoke to his trainer... Flibbity flop blob, and he said after that clumping, and you think to yourself, you have not told me any information yet, or you've talked about, you've talked in circles. But the other That's bit fucking winds me the up. The other about bit about this, the final point. Hopefully, before we can move on. He had a go at somebody else on Twitter, and I don't know whose Twitter handle it is, but somebody else joined in this like argument, saying the Box Nation should be showing this, um, and had a bit of a go at Bunce. And Bunce comes back criticising him for having a picture of Scott Westgarth as his... Um, take that down, you vile human. Yeah, he said, take it down, you vile human. As if in some way Steve Bunce is the police as to who's allowed to have a picture of Scott Westgarth and pay their respect in that way and who isn't allowed it. But it was, it was the insinuation that he was doing it in some sort of... He'd had it on there for some in some sort of disrespectful way. Yeah. Who I, has it on there? And he didn't have a banner around it going ha 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 or anything, did he? I just had a picture just of it. a picture of Scott Westgarth. many other people have. Had. And for some reason, out of respect, Steve Bunt seems to think on these, he's on this moral high ground <laughs> whereby he can criticise high roading him, yeah, criticise someone that he doesn't like for having a picture of a boxer who's died recently. <laughs> you vile, you vile human! I'm like, what kind of scumbag says that about another person because they've put a picture up out of respect? Thank you. Yeah. Next. Okay, that's Steve Bunt's tick. I might come back to him later. We'll see. Yeah, maybe. Um, right, let's talk America then. Uh, Sergo Kovalev versus Mikhalkin. No, Michelin. Michelin tires. I don't know. Um, Mikhalkin. Mikhalkin. I didn't watch it. Mikhalkin. Macaulay Culkin. I think so. Equally as comic. <laughs> but look, well, let, let, let's roll back to the Kovalev we really remember. The one that quit essentially against Andre Ward and started bitching and he's son of judges, son of son of dick punches, son of this, son of that, hey, chicken, little monkey, all the sort of stuff that he said about people in the past, right? And, and basically, Andre Ward ended Sergei Kovalev's meaningful career. We will always remember that hiding he took, not that, not for the fact that he lost, but for the fact that Ward just seemed to take him apart. You know, the once feared puncher. So he gets rid of John David Jackson. He he digs up. It's like, it's like his old amateur coach from Russia. But it's all under this, the, the Elgin Klimas banner out of the West Coast in the States. So, you know, this is meant to be a new Kovalev. No more training a big bear and stuff like that. So this was the first fight. And basically, this was just another version of fucking Rebchenko, if we're being honest. And Kovalev was just able to tee off on this guy at will. So it was just really a a one-sided beating and, you know, it was stopped eventually because the guy was just taking a shellacking. It wasn't pleasant, but it didn't look like the old Kovalev because the old Kovalev would have starched this guy. 
the old Kovalev would have ended this guy. And I just think we're now in that era where I don't think it's the same Kovalev. I think Ward took a bit of his soul in both of those fights. As I said, I didn't see it, but I mean, we'll come on to it later with um, Bivol and things. Do you think there's a real risk now with this version of Kovalev that these other young, hungry Eastern Europeans coming through, one of them, as soon as they get their hands on him, will have the opportunity to finish that that aura. So, so the strange thing is, he can still bang, right? But it's like he can't put it together like he used to. So what made Kovalev really threatening prior to the Ward fight was, he'd all, he well, not always, but he was able to throw a jab after throwing a right hand. So he, say, he essentially looked like a southpaw left hand. So he's able to turn both of his straight shots into power shots. And that confused people and it ended up hurting people. A lot of people got hurt with that with that sort of reverse jab that he'd throw. There wasn't much of that. But I think if he still hit someone like a Govodchik with that, you'd, you'd feel it and your legs might wobble. It's more, he hasn't got that, that sort of killer aura that he had before where you, you're always on the retreat. Like... It's that nervous tension that you have because when you're against a puncher, you normally don't want to engage too soon because you don't want to get hit. But I think people are now probably more likely to come forward on Kovalev and it will present a different challenge for him. Um, is he the sort of fighter that's waiting to pass a torch or does he have a torch to pass anymore? It's fair to say he's probably, again, without seeing it, but you'd say... CV wise, he's probably still the number one light heavyweight, the man to beat within that division. Mm, I'd put Adonis above him now. Maybe, but Adonis has been so inactive, or he, his opponents have been so weak. That, at the very least, he's up there. He's in the discussion. I think we've mentioned this before. Like when you look at the depth of talent, Kovalev's one of the names you mentioned. Uh, okay. Um, what do you see in the future for him? Or are you not really bothered about that? Right um, you're probably looking at, you know, unifications now, aren't you? So a lot of fights have happened. So, you know, we'll come on to it in a second, but Bivol's had a win. Um, I know the, the super title's vacant in that way. So I don't know if you promote him up or you make a fight between him and Kovalev. I mean, there, there are all of those options for the unification or the massive elephant in the room. Will that be where he ends up in the World Super Series of Boxing? Yeah, I mean, the timing-wise, the fact that you have Bivol and Berra, um, Bivol Barrera and Kovalev on the same night, <clears throat> all three of those names could reasonably go into a World Boxing Super Series. Um, so if they're looking at starting to tie fighter dates together in advance of next season, essentially, um, light heavyweight looks fairly likely to end up going that way. Um. Which brings us nicely on to Bivol Barrera. Run us through what happened there. Well, so everyone knows Sullivan Barrera. Uh, yes, he lost to Andre Ward, but Sullivan Barrera has looked good in every other fight. And you wouldn't be wrong in saying of of all the non-champions, he was one of the real threats coming up. Bivol just blasted him away. It was it was it, sometimes you watch a display of just boxing savagery. It was like Bivol just said. We can go to war today, but I'm going to take you out. And he did. And just to segue for a second, I think one of the things that's been interesting with these Eastern European fighters who have generally congregated under the Elgin Klimas banner is, in the old days, the Eastern Europeans would come over 
and they just box like Eastern Europeans. But if you look at what Klimas has done, I think I mentioned this last week, he got, he got Don Turner involved. And the great thing about having a Don Turner is he will talk you through every style of American boxer. So all of a sudden, these Eastern Europeans are learning how to adapt to all these different styles, how to flex their approach, but without compromising the deadly ability to just knock people out. Um, also, it might just turn out they have some kind of PED that we don't, we don't know about. <laughs> no. But, 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 but what, what it means is, you, you, look at, you look at Lomachenko, right? Look at how quickly he's adapted to elite-level boxing. Because he's had guys like Don Turner go, look, in America, this is our guy's box. Here's how you can solve these problems. So overall, what you end up with are more rounded Eastern European boxers that are posing different problems that boxing needs to catch up and find ways of solving. Because these guys are just, they're blitzing through people. And I don't know if it's just they're tougher than everyone. I just don't think people are prepared for how they're bringing things. But Bivol is very scary and no British light heavyweight managed by anyone in this country, be it Steve Goodwin or anybody else, needs to be talking about Dimitri Bivol. Do not, under any circumstance, he's... Because you had a lot of um, question marks over him, mainly based on the fact that like his, his title wins were like Trent Broadhurst over in Monaco. Yeah. Are they gone? The question marks. Yes, because he gave Sullivan Barrera a hiding. It wasn't like, well, he showed some skill and he boxed him. He just showed up and went, I'm just going to take your will. And then they're going to end the fight because you're going to have nothing left. Barrera protested that it was stopped, but it had to be. He was just taking, it was a one-sided It was a 12th round, wasn't it? Oh, mate. It was that late, I barely remember. But it was an absolute shellacking. Just boom. Relentless. Speaking of uh, potential PDs we don't know anything about. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm just saying. I'm just saying it could happen in, in any sport. Football. In any sport. Yeah, it probably does. Hey. Eh? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm just, confused. No, well, I figured you were going somewhere. No, only, only on the basis that Terry said it, and I thought, yeah, that worked well with my uh, current assessment of the Premier League. Yeah, or cycling, Whoa. where uh, testosterone patches yeah. ended up being yeah. <laughs> uh, involuntarily delivered to that, Team Sky. That um, he's hasn't he, yeah, wow, hasn't he? He's stated some sambuterol. Is it? Who's this? Chris Froome? Yeah. They're still talking about that, the the, the asthma medication. Yeah, he because said, he said that, that's what's throwing the medication off. And out of 127 tests that took part in over, over something like over a period of three years, that that the cause that he's stating is his excuse accounted for three of them. <laughs> right, brilliant. <laughs> so if it is, it's such a minute percentage that if it is like, you know, less than sort of 2%. If it is that cause for that, then it's... Yeah, know. but it's really unfortunate because I say they end up with testosterone patches being delivered to their head office by accident from somewhere in Bradford, I think it was. So, you know, they're that. clearly unlucky people. That's all I say. Anyway. Yeah, I remember listening to a podcast once of um, talking to the guy that basically ratted out on Lance Armstrong. And he said that... What, Floyd Landis? Uh, I think it was him or... Uh, I don't know if it was him that spoke this particular line, but he was in the interviewing. Okay. And he said that when they were on, there was a lot of pressure to take what, what 
um, Lance was taking. And he said, when you're on testosterone, you can like repair easier and quicker. He said, but when you're on growth hormone, it's like you're bending metal. It's like you the power. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, <laughs> that was amazing, that interview. And, you know, it could happen in... Just imagine if you were, say, I don't know, a Premier League manager and you managed to get your footballers onto that. Imagine yeah. how much you, <clears throat> you could be 16 points clear in, in yeah. March or something. Whatever like, it is, can someone give it to tyres on the drive so they sort their shit out and fix my car? <laughs> pricks. But it's been sat fucking broken since middle of last week, you bellend. Get out. I don't care about the is snow. Is that the name of the company? Tyres on, on the, the drive. drive. <laughs> I'll call them out. They're little dicks. So they just got come my out email. and throw some tyres <laughs> on your drive and go, we've, <laughs> we've basically done what we said we did. <laughs> pricks. Scared of the snow. But, uh, with the PEDs, all I'm here for this week, I I look at it like this. Everyone knows my view on this, right? Like, sometimes I watch the WWE for entertainment's sake, you know. And I look at those guys, and it's generally accepted those guys are on testosterone enhancement because they all have prescriptions for it. That's why they don't fail (laughs) drug tests. No wonder why they're constantly dying of heart yeah. disease and, like. then, and then and then you look at their physiques and you look at some of the boxes that are coming through and you're saying well if we accept that these guys are doping <laughs> and we're now looking <clears throat> at these guys like they're clean how are we reconciling the two what what uh, my <clears throat> my mum used to date a guy who was into his bodybuilding right and what, richie to, no he used to say to me he used to say to me that you know that the Your w- mum's w- great in bed. <laughs> <laughs> and I used to high five her every day. Mum, you're putting in a good performance. I'm getting great endorsements for you, <laughs> Yeah, keep up the good work. <laughs> you used to say to me, you know the WWE wrestlers are on PEDs, you know, paraphrased, um, because they... You look at guys that are doing Mr. Olympia and they will go through cycles. So you'll see blokes and they're out of shape and they're bloated where they've taken on, you know, they've taken on the calories they need. They've, they've grown. But the WD fighters are never on an off season. They're always, they're always cut. They're always amazing looking. So you, you know they're on something. Sorry. To- well, 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 they also do a shitload of cardio in the ring. But I think, I think the, the point is, and I, th- I said this, I've said this numerous times on Twitter. The men taking steroids, I just think if you don't believe it's widespread at the top level of boxing, you're a fucking idiot. What worries me even more in a wider sense is the number of women who are now taking it. So we're now in the midst of the CrossFit open season and CrossFit games. And I hear people talking about how amazing these women are. But ask them, like, you know what I mean? What testosterone enhancement are you taking? And they go, we do this clean. And you're like... To look the way you do and perform the way you do would defy every rule of biology that is generally accepted in the scientific community. So how do you explain how a collective of a hundred women, right? You would have to be a one in a million woman to to, to be able to do this. How is there a hundred of you? What's the probability of that? And, Good scouting network. And, and so I think what we're doing is we're storing up a massive storm of infertility, birth defects, and all this other messed up stuff that's going to come from taking steroids with impurities and all this sort of thing. All for the sake of cheating in sport or just to look good on Instagram. Whilst we're on this subject, and to bring it back to boxing, nah. um, <laughs> whoever saw the Sky show last night, because I didn't see it, but I hear they put 10 bells up for Scott Westgarth at the beginning of the show. Um, that's quite cool. Yeah, it's quite cool, right? So you give your respect to Scott yeah. Westgarth. 
And then later on in the show, you're bringing out Kid Galahad, who's a fucking known PED cheat, who's been done for it, who has failed drugs tests. You that doesn't sit comfortably with me. Like you, a man who's taken enhancements, who has been found by UCAD to have taken enhancements, and you're there like giving the respect to a man who's lost his life in the ring but you're also in half an hour going to be showing a man who's taken enhancements to try and do further damage to somebody else in the ring that does not sit comfortably with me i think that's a real fucking horrible move i think you can't you can't wear those two hats at the same time one giving respect to somebody who's died and the other celebrating a boxer who's gone out of their way to cheat and risk the life of their opponent i think that's absolutely scum uh, okay, let's indeed bring it back to boxing and Darrell Uztegai. So, so I, I I watched this one this morning. Everyone knows who Andre Darrell is. Andre Darrell was a standout amateur, uh, 2000 Olympics. I think he lost to Golovkin in the 2004 Olympics. Numerous times national champion. Um... Interesting fact, he boxed Martin Murray in the amateurs, I think. One of the things I still remember. And so he's had a storied amateur career and was meant to be the next big thing at super middleweight. Let's be clear about this. Some say he was robbed against Froch. Froch doesn't believe he landed a glove on him. Make your own minds up. But it was in the fight with Arthur Abraham where I think he got hit behind the head after the bell and apparently sustained a brain injury which took him out for a couple of years um when we all thought that was tragic but when he came back he was like he was a shell of the person he was before but you'd seen hints against Carl Froch that Durrell was mentally fragile when things weren't going his way and we remember the first fight where his uncle Leon Lawson had to land more punches on Uskin guy than he landed he could. that Fucking horrendous left hook in the corner after yeah. the fight. Oh, what a um, sorry, Leon Lawson. Yeah, in case I get sued, Leon Lawson Jr. Not to be confused with Leon Lawson, who was Durrell's original trainer. But in this fight, you saw who really came to fight. So Oscar guy, the Mexican, just it was like it was like the Bivol performance. Just battered him, and Durrell was trying to do that thing he normally does of you know trying to pot shot and you know steel rounds but it wasn't happening and so you had this really chaotic scene i think it was between rounds eight and nine where you've got virgil hunter in the corner trying to talk to him and Durrell's just looking around like it was like he was looking for someone in the crowd and he looks like he's in his own world and he's like and the rest like do you want to carry on and he's not really answering he's all looking <laughs> away going you know that like when you're in trouble and someone says say sorry you look away you go sorry <laughs> And it was like that. It's like, yeah, I'd quite like to fight again. And so so the ref gets ready to go, okay, cool, we're going to carry on. And then Darrell was just like, nah. I think common sense story said, nah, I want no bit of this. And if it was his corner that pulled him out, fair play, because he did not look like he wanted to be there for any minute of that fight after the third round. And, you know, the last 12 to 18 months have seen a series of boxers quit. And I know we talk about boxers safety and in the current climate with scott westgarth i'm 100 percent behind safety but i don't want boxers taking an easy payday knowing they can just jump out when it gets too hot i don't know where that line is i think in the Durrell case you should be able to withhold a share of his purse because 
he didn't look in any obvious danger. And I'm saying this considering, you know, what's happened before. So I'm trying to be, I'm trying to tread a careful line here. But I think he just couldn't cope with the fact that he wasn't that good that night. And that's why he pulled out. And that concerns me as a boxing fan, because if this becomes a trend, it devalues what the sport is about. Um, I have a question about Luis Ortiz. Bit of an odd time to pose it, but carry on. Now, as we lead into Wilder Ortiz, um, would he be a much better boxer if he didn't, if he wasn't so fat? <laughs> but again, I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying. I, I realise that's not the. I, I just, I can't bother to 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 dress it up. Yeah. Because I just but, thought to myself, I thought he did all right. I thought he did all right against him. Um, and I had him up when he, when, look, oh, oh, when he got knocked yeah. out. This is a man, the expert judge. This is a man who's failed two fucking drugs tests. What a terrible advert for him. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Oh, no, well, uh, I bloated up when I wasn't able to take him anymore. Yeah, well, off-cycle <laughs> Luis Ortiz. <laughs> so there's this perennial tension, isn't there, of... You, on one side of the scale, you've got someone like a Joshua. On the other side of the scale, you've got someone like Andy Ruiz Jr. And Ortiz kind of sits somewhere between the two. I think at that weight, you're better off boxing to your natural weight. And I use the word natural here advisedly. <laughs> Loosely. Yeah. But, but look, so Luis Ortiz, this is what would worry me. Luis Ortiz was boxing as a 91 kilogram amateur. So he was a heavyweight. He wasn't a super heavy. He was a heavyweight. And that's the weight he boxed at. And so you're coming in at about 200 pounds. And that's not dieting down ridiculously. That's kind of your fighting weight as an amateur. So you can normally maintain that because you've got to do it for tournaments. So it's kind of close to your natural weight. So to go up from that to 241 and a half pounds, I think he weighed, you know, something had to happen. Same thing with Mike Perez. How can Mike Perez be moving up and down the waist like that? Unless we're saying... He had to help himself grow. Humanly growing hormonally. <laughs> <laughs> so, so if you look at Ortiz's performance, it's not that he was incredibly slow. He wasn't incredibly sluggish. I don't think being any lighter would have helped him. It would probably just I, shift the punishment. But you know, take it. I just felt like he ran out of gas towards the end. He did, but he's like fifty-two. He was looking for a quick way out. No, it wasn't a quick way out at all. Like he had other options to get out of there. No, no, I mean he was. It felt like when he got to like round seven, eight. At that point, he just like he's like, I've got to knock this guy out because I'm not going to make it to round. No, he didn't at all. Because in round eight, he should if he had anything left in the tank. In the same way that like. Let me watch Joshua Klitschko. If Klitschko had anything left in the tank, he could have disposed of, of Joshua. Right. Round seven, Ortiz hurt Wilder. You could tell he did. Yeah, because you see the referee giving him a bit more extra time. He gave him 15 time. seconds at the beginning Fuck of the round. Sake. What was that about? Um, no, because the were, New York State Athletic Commission have a thing about like concussions. Head, yeah. uh, they're very, very um, tight on concussions because of a lot of legal cases in the background. Right. So they get a doctor to check and they can check very quickly in 15 seconds, are you suffering from a concussion right now? That's what the 15 seconds was about. Right. Was because if he was, and he went back into the ring and then got you know nailed, it's a then the New York State Athletic Commission are in a lot of trouble. So that's what that 15 seconds was about. It wasn't about 
cheating. And I've seen all this shit online before yeah, the yeah, fight yeah. about like, there was this conspiracy theory whereby Ortiz was meant to be taking a dive because it sets up Wilder versus Joshua. Total bollocks. Whoever watched that fight no. last night will know no, it was total yeah, bollocks yeah, because not. Ortiz displayed everything that's non-Cuban. Every Cuban that you ever see fucking gets out when the going gets tough. Rigondeaux the most like recent and high profile yeah. example. There's a history of Cuban fighters not liking it when it's rough. Fair play to Ortiz because he could have taken that fall a lot quicker. He's stuck in there. And if he'd have had anything in the fucking gas tank, if he wasn't born in the Stone Age, then in round eight, he could have gone to work on Wilder. But I just, I think he'd taken a lot of punishment by that point. There yeah. wasn't enough left in the gas tank and Wilder got through it in round eight. And also, I think we forget Wilder made it very hard. Like until the seventh round, I don't think Wilder had really been hit solidly. Yeah. And, and so when you're someone like Ortiz who takes pride in actually clumping people from the first round. He's a big punch. He's solid, isn't he? Yeah. So so after seven rounds, you're kind of like, oh God. And then you finally get a bit of joy. You jump all over that. Now you've shot your load. And then you get to round eight. And you're like, oh man, I should have just Well, this is what I was bit. kind of saying. Like at that point, he's been shifting that massive heaping bulk of himself around the ring for seven rounds. If he was a bit slimmer, would he have more in the tank? No, but then... it, might, it might have been that his game plan was we get it over in six. Yeah. And at that point, like, but, okay, you realise at round seven, there's there's a problem now, but he's still in there and he's still trying for it. And, and, and that's what you've got to respect so, her. So hopefully we can also touch on some of the good things that Wilder did in this yeah. fight. But one of the yeah. things I want to make absolutely clear is that version of Ortiz would have scared the shit out of Anthony yes. Joshua. The way Ortiz, like, all that saved Wilder was Wilder knew how to stay at the limit of his range yeah he did didn't he and, 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 and for all the people <laughs> he circled who, and four circled. rounds he just fucking like yeah all the people that make fun of Wilder and go this guy can't box he can't do anything the first half of that fight is exactly why Joshua will struggle because Joshua's not a long range fighter I don't know why I'm holding my arms out like this but it <laughs> it's like you're about yeah. to do uh, some kind of ballroom dance or just bowing out yeah archery <laughs> but Joshua's not a long range fighter Joshua likes to he, he likes to be in close work, use that power, use that strength. So yeah. against Ortiz, you're, you're going to get countered. And, you know, some of those shots that Ortiz was looking to throw, they'd have taken Joshua's head off because Joshua hasn't got Wilder's chin, as we've now found out. So you can see why Hearn signed Ortiz, and you can see why he parked him, because it killed the threat for a while. And you can see why Hearn will never mention Ortiz's name in relation to Joshua now, because... I don't think AJ could have seen through that seventh round the way that Wilder did. And actually, like, Ortiz displayed some really nice defensive uh, patterns when it was stuck on him by Wilder. And, like, little, counter punches as well. Counter punch, but little pivots that he does off to the side. When he's in trouble, when he sees those big shots coming, he just pivots off that left foot and he's away. And, like, for an old man, again, look, if we had a 10-year younger... 39 years old. Yeah, if we had a 10-year younger... <laughs> Luis Ortiz, he'd be such a threat the, in that the division. Best, best quote in that post-fight press conference when, when Wilder's like, tell you the truth, I don't know if we'll ever find out how old Ortiz is. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's like his hand movement. He's got a 28-year-old daughter. <laughs> catch and parry shots the way that he does, the big man like that. You can see he's a class boxer. I think Joshua would have a nightmare with him at times, but there were times when Deontay Wilder displayed both sides and it was very nuanced, his more skilled side. Yeah. 
So there were a couple of times when you watch it, it's like little slow down clips since, where he just throws the jab and he brings down the arm of Ortiz and then he doubles that jab. So he throws it again to bring the backhand of Ortiz up to cover and then he whips that right hand around the okay. back of uh, the covering hand of Ortiz. So cleverly done. So just the one to bring the arm down, the second to bring the, the other hand into you cover. You realise, right? Andy doesn't believe boxers do that. <laughs> no, I'm not saying they don't, but I'm saying at the time, the specific example you brought about Klitschko was horse shit. But, but you saw the video. <laughs> what yeah, I love is you saw the video. Which was still horse shit. You saw the video, but and then you just yeah, went quiet. Yeah, when I, I, wa- this, when I watched the video, quiet. I watched the video and I was like, oh, it still doesn't prove it. And you were like, there you go, conclusive proof. And I thought, no, he's not. <laughs> Okay. But I mean, <laughs> you can find but, one to this. But what's the point of arguing with Terry? I know that much. But you have, I said, there's a really nice couple of uh, slow down bits knocking about where it just shows how he he cleverly brings it down, goes again to bring it up, and then whips the right hand around the back. Really nice bits. And then you've got the other side of it where every time he thinks Ortiz is hurt, he runs in like a stallion. Like you think he's going to be taking on like the hurdles or something but, but, in the way but, that he does it. But but I love that bit. You know, I love that bit when all the structure and all the rules just go out. Yeah. He looks like a basketball player well, at that I, point. He just sprints. That's across. what I wanted to broach of you. Like, is there... Is there any logic to it? Because it looks mental. He just turns into like but here's, here's, every big bloke in the world in the ring. Right. It's like quantum leap. Bomb. Right, you're in a fight. You've just knocked the bloke down. What are you going to do? He just but, goes, ah! He's going to go, right, but, I'm in Weatherspoons. But, 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 <laughs> this is how we do it. Windmill town. No, no, but, but you know what he does? He creates this this almost like a tornado of chaos. See, I know he, he used the description tornado. Where, think, think, you've been sparring for 12 weeks in camp and all you've had is jab, right hand, left hook. Jab, right hand, left hook. Right uppercut, left uppercut. And all of a sudden, punches are coming from places they're not supposed to. You're getting hit on the back of the head. Then it's an uppercut. Then it's a hook. Then it's a jab. Then oh. it's another uppercut. And all of a sudden, you're like, I don't know where any of this shit's coming from. So you're, you're trying to block stuff that you can't predict. Your hands drop. Bang, that right hand hits you on the temple. Done. But, I mean, as wild as it looks, as crazy as it looks, as uncouth as it looks... He doesn't get hit in return. Like, when he's in that mode, he does it because he's got someone hurt. He doesn't take any punishment back when he's doing it. Mm, and that's because he does it when it suits him. But, uh, he doesn't do it from the opening. Okay, it's to not play like devil's it goes, advocate, ding, ding, is, round to, one. To play devil's advocate, is that because the time... Is it because the best fighter he's fought is Luis Ortiz, and it hasn't happened against Luis Ortiz, but if he fought someone of a higher calibre, say... Stop, 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 stop right there. <laughs> stop right there. Say... Don't say another word. Don't say, don't say another word. Well, you said who? Don't say another word, because I want everybody to go back through their Twitter history, right? <laughs> Luis Ortiz is the best heavyweight on the planet. Max Kellerman. Luis Ortiz is the best heavyweight in the world. Oscar De La Hoya. Luis Ortiz is the best heavyweight in the world. All those Twitter guys, Babs. Kel Scott Brook Hook. would beat Luis Ortiz, Eddie Hearn. Probably. <laughs> no, but, but all of, you know, Eddie Hearn was there going, Ortiz must be one of the two best heavyweights in the world. Let's not forget how highly we regarded Luis Ortiz. Let's not start downgrading him now. The man was unbeaten, had stopped 22 out of 25, made Brian Jennings look stupid, smashed the crap out of Tony Thompson, Made the teak tough, Dave Allen's. I mean, they had to pull him out. So, I mean, Luis Ortiz was being called the best heavyweight on the planet. Deontay Wilder dismantled him. 
people are going to try and compare this to Joshua against Klitschko. Klitschko was a, was a granddad. We're talking about Ortiz being old. Klitschko was a granddad. I mean, Ortiz may be a great granddad. We're yeah. not sure. <laughs> yeah, but you, you've, got, you've got an old Klitschko on a two-year two gap year, essentially, right? Where he was just playing golf, modeling for Hugo Boss, shagging his wife, you know what I mean? Having kids and stuff. And then it was like, I don't mind a payday, you know what I mean? AJ, whatever. Because, and, and let's just touch on that. Remember when Eddie Hearn was talking about Tyson Fury coming back? Wow, two years out. Can he ever be the same? Yeah. And then when, when it was Klitschko, those two years out of rejuvenating him. <laughs> Vladimir's a new man. <laughs> He's a whole new man. He's a bigger threat now than he was then because he needed the rest. Well, I, I mean, if, if I was going to try and... If I was going to try and defend that, it might be the fact that Tyson Fury's two years spent out was putting on eight stone and doing cocaine. <laughs> so it's not like a rejuvenating period could have could have yeah, happened. But, 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 yeah, but we'd but, all come back better for that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but but see, but the the point is, and we'll come on to we'll come on to this because I'm sure someone's asked what's next for everyone, and there's a load of bullshit we need to address in that. But Ortiz was being called the best heavyweight on the planet. Wilder's now dealt with him. There isn't anyone else you can put that you'd rank higher than Ortiz except for Tyson Fury and Anthony Joshua. And even then, that's, you know, like, really? So we're now looking and going, on CV, Wilder's ahead of Joshua. What's Joshua going to do? Joseph Parker's not better than Luis Ortiz. He's Agreed. Not, you know, he really isn't. Like, you know I mean, Huey Fury should be, I mean, defending that belt if we're being brutally honest. And no one is going to give Wilder his respect for being the top dog in the heavyweight division right now, and they should because it's disgraceful. Will you? Will you do me indulge me to rank five top five heavyweights in the world? Wilder, Joshua, Fury with a big asterisk by him, Ortiz. Uh, number five. You maybe let Parker have it. Uh, I'm trying to think who sits behind these guys. Would you? Where would you put? Are you looking at like? He's, he's, far, he's, far he's, not, he's not near there. Miller or something like that. But there's a whole host of American undefeated, like 19, 20 and 0 heavy. I think Brazil beats Parker. Yeah, not for me. The, the, so, so Brazil, he, he's floating around that last spot for me. Um, I think he got caught in the headlights against Joshua a bit, but he showed he's tough. And I think against Izu Gono, show that he can take someone out coming off the canvas. Expect him to fight Wilder next. Um, I'm interested to see you put AJ above Fury. Is that is that uh, because we don't know what Fury's going to be like coming back? Exactly. Peak Fury, though, you put him above AJ. Do you put Peak Fury above Wilder? Nope. Think he gets knocked out. Oh, that's interesting. I I just I don't well I don't think anyone's got arms long enough to avoid Wilder's right hand, and I, eventually he's going to touch you. Right, and if Cunningham can do damage, Wilder can do damage. So, do you see potentially Wilder going down the analogs of history as a, a, a top heavyweight? Nope. Given it, if he beat, if he dispatches AJ and Fury in, in no, nope. no, those guys don't stand up. Look, I was I was reflecting on this. I know people like to complain about boxing heavyweight bouts, but for that WBC belt, the last fight we really cared about was. Lewis versus Klitschko. Before that, it was Lewis versus Tyson. Before that, it was probably Lewis versus Holyfield. Now we're back to 1999. 
and I've only mentioned three fights in nearly 20 years that we've cared about when it comes to the WBC belt. The same is true for all the other belts. There are very few fights we give a shit about. All we care about when it comes to heavyweights are win a belt, unify. They're the only fights we care about are the unification bouts. They're the only ones that mean anything. So it's just, you know, st stripping all the bullshit aside and going, Wilder versus Ortiz for a WBC belt would normally be a unification belt. So credit to the WBC for making a genuinely big fight for one belt because we don't see that very often. Okay. Um, have you got anything to say about it? No, other than Wilder, for me, is the best finisher in that division. Like, If you're in trouble, he's the last person you want to be You do not want to be getting off the canvas, looking over the ring, and there's Wilder. Because he's done that late in the fight. And I know you can say Joshua did it late in the fight against Klitschko. But in reality, Klitschko was still on his feet. He was still... You know, if you were a harsh ref, you'd let that go on. There was no way you were letting that go on with Ortiz. The man was fucked. And, and, and also... Like, have we ever seen Wilder in trouble? Like, I've never seen Wilder go back to a corner either gassing or in trouble. You would say round, uh, yeah. uh, round eight was it last night. He was he was in trouble. I wouldn't say yeah. in trouble to the point where I thought he was going to get stopped. He, just, he didn't look like he he'd was, ever get stopped he was at that in, point. He just seemed like Ortiz had hit him with everything. How Even, good was he And there was 10 seconds. Them. Yeah, he just kept coming he just, forward like some That's what happens when you got zombie. arms a mile long. <laughs> yeah, Mr. Tickle. Like, how, Mr. Can Tickle he, pure. Yeah, how can he grab hold of me? He's on the other side of the ring. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, did you see when he threw Ortiz? Yeah. Yeah. Fucking hell. But that was the start of the end of Ortiz at that point. Was like, How strong is Wilder? But again, how disheartening is it that you get to that late in the fight? You're into the last quarter of the fight. And you get chucked across the ring. He nearly went through mm. the ropes. Yeah. <laughs> that's scary because that's 241 pounds. Joshua will probably come in for that fight around 240 pounds. Can you imagine if Wilder just got Joshua and just flung him down like a proper, like a sidewalk slam or something? Oh, shit. That'd be all those endorsements out the, out the toilet. And he'd really know what the superior black race was. <laughs> <laughs> Are we done in America? No, not yet. I, I, look, I think we do. I'm going for a piss. No, but we need to touch on the heavyweight scene, right? Because I know people want to talk about when does the Wilder Joshua fight happen. I'm I'm really excited for that, and I tell you what excites me almost as much as the fans, as much as the more so than any other fight that I can think in recent memory is the build. I'm actually. Once it's confirmed, I'm anticipating the build-up. I think that'll be interesting. I love the talk. I love all the bullshit that's going to come out of Steve Bunce's mouth. Yeah, but, 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 how AJ has really proven how he's got, you know, he's, he's, he's the next coming of... Christ. Lennox Lewis and Muhammad Ali had a love child and it was called Auntie Joshua. And I'd uh, love to know how that pregnancy would go. Yeah, I, just, I just love, I, I love the anticipation of that meaty fight I'm going to say this one thing I love about Wilder is he's a great talker and it's never inflammatory so he, he never really crosses any lines but he's so emphatic in the things that he says you believe him now he said something in the post fight conference and I don't think another boxer has really said it as clearly and as warm heartedly as he did where he said he was describing him and Ortiz and he goes look Luis Ortiz has a daughter who has medical issues. I have a daughter that has medical issues. What you yeah. saw tonight 
was two, two fathers, fathers yeah. fighting to look after their kids. Yeah. I can't imagine Joshua saying that unless there's a teleprompter in front of him. Mm, and nah, while it does be that too, off the bat, he'd be too busy trying and to think of some clever quote. He'd be trying to think of some stupid, clever quote that's yeah. going to go down in history, which would end up falling flat. That's but what, what he'd end up doing. And then, then in the post-fight press conference, everything Wilder says for me hits a mark. As a heavyweight champion, he gives me, he gives me the menace he gives me the humanity. He gives me the intelligence. And I love seeing that. And we haven't seen that since Lennox Lewis. I know people say, well, what about Vladimir and his PhD? But no one wants to listen to Vladimir Klitschko talk. The last guy to really do it like that was Lennox Lewis. So, you know, the fight will be great for that build-up because I think Wilder will show Joshua up to be the, the NBA project that he really is. The media-created fucking... I don't even know what to do. Just a fucking billboard that he that he is. Wilder will expose all of that. But here's the thing. People will say, when will this fight happen? Right? Think about this. We were told last year, yeah, Wilder's in line to fight the winner of AJ Klitschko. We want to do the unifications. We want to do them as quickly as possible. We want all of the belts. I remember that. Then they did the rematch. And then... Vlad pulled out. Wilder said, I can step in. Oh, no, no, we're going to do our mandatory with Pulev, which they weren't going to do before. So they either picked the mandatory with Pulev. Pulev pulls out. Wilder says, I can step in. Oh, no, no, we've got to cam. We've had to cam on standby since January. He's, <laughs> he's just our standby for everybody. After the Takam fight, Wilder's like, I'll fight him. And people ask Hearn, when are you going to fight Wilder? We're looking at a unification next. We might fight him early next year. Parker comes into the picture. Now we know that Povetkin's next. We know the IBF are going to call Pulev as a mandatory. And apparently Jerome Miller signed terms to fight Joshua if he wins. So look at all of these names I've mentioned. Don't rule out Chisora. Don't rule out uh, Dillian White. You've got five or six solid names between Wilder and Joshua. And we haven't even mentioned Tyson Fury. Eddie Hearn has no intention of putting AJ in with Wilder till Wilder's about 35. And then they'll try and claim it as a serious win. That's three years away. You think he's going to wait that long? They have no intention. Look at the list of people they've lined up to fight Joshua. Who? Povetkin. Povetkin is on the undercard of the Joshua fight purely because they can claim or they can, in some way it'll be made that it's a mandatory for the WBA title. So they'll bring in Povetkin for the next fight. So it's wise to bring Povetkin over to knock the fuck out of David Price for a few rounds. Yeah, so put, yeah, it's Povetkin, Pulev, Miller, White. You got four already. <sighs> yeah, those four are pretty much baked in. White sells itself. Yeah. Why? Because of the history, People AJ want to see White. It again. And and Dillian White. Still... I'm not saying you or I again. want to see it. No, but but he's he's like he's mandatory with the WBC and top fifteen yeah. with the other. So any voluntary that comes up, you sense. know, Dillian's getting that phone call. But remember also with Dillian White, he's probably the only guy that's really gone after AJ. I can't think of another boxer who's gone after. Maybe Vlad to an extent, but Dillian really went after AJ. And when he went after him, that was the one time we saw AJ look clueless and uncomfortable. But like I told you. If Eddie Hearn was serious, he'd have said, end of the year, the Wilder fight's happening. We will find a way to get the deal done. Because Shelley Finkel showed, showed, read out the email from Eddie Hearn. And what did it say? It said, hi, Shelley. I will get the splits over to you. I think it was like the, the revenue projections for a London show versus a Vegas show. And then Shelley Finkel was like, 
we never heard anything from Eddie. Unfortunately, my my internet's down at present. Um, <laughs> so I've got the United yeah, Fax yeah. Machine. <laughs> so, so so let's be absolutely clear. If I was Wilder, right, hand on heart, I'd say if the fight doesn't happen by the end of the year, we're sacking it off. We don't need the money. We're comfortable. I'm good. We're sacking it off. So now AJ will always be that guy that couldn't win all the belts. Screw you. That's what I'd do. And because look, the WBC rankings are competitive enough. Wilder could fight everyone down, down that list and his CV would still be better than AJ's. And all we'd end up with is that horrible scenario that we had when Vlad and Vitaly had the belts where they just fought Stand sucker off. after sucker after sucker till we got bored of it. I think I'd get... Well, I can only speak as a casual, but <laughs> I'd get bored of it if this time next year there was still no sign of... AJ Wilder, I'd be I'd be bored of it then. Mate, Hearn will keep dangling that in front of you. Don't be surprised to hear Hearn go, yeah, that fight could happen this year. But it can't because the IBF are going to call Pulev as a mandatory. So the, one of the two slots they've got available for AJ has to be for Pulev. I don't think you're going to have a fight in August because you've got the World Super Series, World Boxing Super Series in June and clearly one in July now because Groves is injured. Where are you going to get your build-up in, in and amongst all that traffic? And Hearn... Hearn will have a conflict of interest because he's involved in both. Yeah, as I said, don't forget Povetkin's name yeah. will be in there. So so basically, the Wilder fight can't happen this year because there are mandatories to deal with. And that's what Hearn will tell you. Oh, we tried to make it happen, but the governing bodies. So then you look at next year. Next year will be the Dillian White fight. In the summer of next year will be a Dillian White fight. All of us, end of 2019 at best, if you want to see the Wilder fight, but I don't even think it will happen then. <sighs> Just get over that <laughs> frustration. If it is indeed the case. Okay. Uh, are you complete? Are you? I'm done. Okay, fine. Let's move on to uh, Josh Taylor versus Winston Campos. Uh, I take you haven't seen this either. Nine's in this. But what's a man called Winston doing in a boxing ring? <laughs> That's not a man who should be in a boxing ring. It's a man that should be smoking a pipe and defending the country. I don't know how he's going to do that nowadays, but... Do it. Do it, Winston. Or just... With your money. I don't think, to be honest... Smoking weed somewhere or something. By the time the Taylor fight came on, I think we were all boxing out. I didn't see it. Heard it was a comfortable win. Heard Josh Taylor looked good. I think we're now at that point where we're like, look, just get the guy in line for a world title. Yeah, exactly. And it'd be interesting interesting to see what happens with this whole Frampton-McGuigan scenario that's going on through the courts. We're getting little snippets coming out of it. Um, whereby it sounds as if from the snippets that the McGuigans haven't always necessarily handled money with the best intentions of Carl. Um, you know, there's probably other stuff that's going to come out the other way. We'll yeah. find out in time. It was, of course, the McGuigans that started the legal action and then Carl's countersued them. So there must be something that the McGuigans are holding back that will come out. Um, so it'll be interesting yeah. to know... A, how much money there is tied up in all this court case and how much they're keeping back uh, in case they lose and they have to pay Carl off. And then how much is left over after all of that pot of money to get Josh Taylor one of these world title fights. Because let's be honest, Winston Campos, he was a stand-in. I can't even remember the name of the guy that he was meant to be fighting before it was Winston Campos. Um, but either way, like they're not they're not top level fighters. We've seen enough of Josh Taylor to know that he he's at that level now where it's sink or swim for a world title. Agreed. We don't need to see any more of this. No, and one forty right now is the sort of division where it's not like Crawford's still there. 
like the belts are all winnable. You're going to end up with Terry Flanagan or Maurice Hooker soon holding yeah. the WBO. So if it's Terry Flanagan, you'd like to hope somehow that could be made. Um, do you want to ask us the questions? Will you? Yeah, yeah, go for it. Yeah. Let's let's have an interlude. Uh, yeah, I was just thinking that because they went straight onto England. So I will just go slightly back. Um, Riku Heikler asks. Lots of debate in the US on whether Wilder would have beaten Mike Tyson. Would Wilder have beaten the same fighters Tyson beat, e.g. Bruno, Spinks, Burbick, Tucker, and old Holmes? Yes. He'd have probably struggled against someone a bit cannier like a James Bone Crusher Smith. Or if you're looking at the 80s, a Tim Witherspoon might have given him different challenges. But I think he stops all of them. Because I just think he hits you with that right hand eventually. And I, I don't think anyone in the 80s was standing up to that. Um, mine? Yeah. <laughs> Kid Galahad had 24 fights and is yet to face a top 10 fighter. Where do you see his career going? Well, he's got the problem. Nobody wants to hold on to him. So he's fought on pox and sports shows. He's fought on Channel 5. He's fought on Matchroom. Nobody's investing the money into Kid Galahad. Uh, there must be a reason for that. Maybe the reason is that, you know, there's that overhanging PED stuff in the background, but Dillian White's had that in his background and Hearn's been willing to invest some money into him, maybe for a bigger reason, like a Joshua fight again. Um, look, I don't give a shit about Kid Galahad. I think he needs to get that relevant fight and I don't know how he gets that relevant fight without having a, a long-term promoter. I think eventually Hearn will probably just take a punt on him. Um, and at that point... You know, now that he's not taking the PEDs, he can make it. He can't make it down to super bantamweight, so he's a featherweight. So he's got the likes of Frampton and Quig knocking about. Um, eventually, he's going to be a cheap enough option for a Frampton or a Quig. If Quig beats Valdez and gets that title, what's that next week? Um, then Kid Galahad will be a cheap enough option. He's got to take that chance when he gets it. Um, you feel for Galahad because there was a lot of hype around him. And then he made he made disastrous choices, you know. Seems to happen a lot in Sheffield, actually. And <laughs> and basically, his career, his no, 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 not allegedly. <laughs> no, it seems his career's in tatters at this point. If Warren was smart, he'd let him fight the loser of Selby versus Warrington. Hopefully, that's Warrington, so you can have that all Yorkshire thing, make a bit of money off that. But Galahad's enhancement talent at this point. Because he hasn't shown us anything that says he could beat the guys at world level. He can't. Be, could he beat a Gary Russell Jr.? I don't think so. Um, Kev Morrow asks, is there a lack of exposure for Scottish fighters with uh, the two big promoters south of the border? First, Josh Taylor slipping through the net. Now, Hutchinson and McGregor look superb and are not being picked up. Do they shift <laughs> tickets? Do they raise interest? That's the two things that an Eddie Hearn's bothered about. Um, I think since Ricky Burns has started to fade in his career, he doesn't really visit Scotland all that often. Ricky Burns came down to Manchester for the crawler fight. Uh, I think that's in Manchester. Um, you know, without Ricky Burns there to be the flagship up in Scotland, what he should have done is got Josh Taylor and built him underneath Ricky Burns and then eventually had those two fight out. But he's missed that opportunity with Josh Taylor. Um, I feel for him a little bit, but on the other hand, <laughs> the sport you're in, it's a sport you're in. Yeah. Um, you know, they haven't been scouted by the big promoters. Hearn doesn't need to be watering down his, his stable any more than he already is. He covers Liverpool, Manchester, London. He tries to go to Newcastle now and then, 
Um, does he really have the time and the inclination to go up to Scotland for lads that aren't selling out arenas? Probably not. Um, another one from Kev, Kev Morrow. Does Durrell have a bad attitude problem? I noticed Virgil Hunter didn't enter the ring between rounds uh, for, uh, between rounds from round four onwards, and it was the cut man who pulled him out. Not Good. listening to instructions, maybe. Uh, well, well, so Virgil Hunter doesn't usually step into the ring. So if you've ever watched ward fights, Virgil will speak into Ward's ear from the side and the the second will go in and do whatever he has to do. Virgil's just giving instructions from the outside. So that's not unusual. But you are right that Durrell looked like, he honestly looked <laughs> like he was looking for a mate in the crowd, <laughs> which was like, it was worrying. But we've seen it before with Durrell. Like, he was crying after the, the Abraham fight, you know? It's, He's he's flaky, like he's completely different to his brother Anthony, who you sense has got a bit of dog in him. Um, I just think Gallagher. <laughs> Come on, everyone was thinking it. I'm just filling in the space. <laughs> so I, I think well, we've in seen, a bit of dog. <laughs> we've seen the end of Andre Durrell at the top level. He might become an enhancement talent as well. Feed him to someone like a a Benavides to smash him pillar to post, and then that's kind of the end of him. But these boxers love a pound note, so I guess he'll still tell us he's relevant somehow. Uh, Walker asks, what weight dumbbell do you think Dom Ingle threw at Tyron Booth's fucking rat face when he came back to the gym <laughs> after those comments? Tyron Booth, I'm comfortable saying Tyron Booth is a half-wit cretin. I, I'd like... Half? <laughs> Jesus. He is. I, I watched... I, I To my detriment i'm sure mentally i watched some video that he'd put up yeah. on uh, some youtube video where he's 15 got a, minutes worth oh my god i didn't watch that much but no, no. like him and his friend talking absolute fucking nonsense uh, oh my god they're fucking was it, retards what well, was it him and lee noble i don't know i don't know who it was him and his mates sitting on a couch talking about let's give the context to this because people it, it, was, it, was, it was anyway it was lee noble i know the one you're on yeah about. but anyway so, so yeah ty and booth put something out about um, people want to uh, I can't even remember what it was. it was wasn't it I was unboxing in a few weeks a lot of people hate me they want to see me dead like Scott Westgarth <laughs> yeah, right. I'm living on down. a I'm living on a diet of cider or something the, the two separate tweets I think that was the second one where it was like so the second tweet was if you don't like what I put in the first one yeah so the second one was um, I'm fighting in like two weeks or two months and I've been basically on the cider for three months and just fucking eating Cheetos, whatever he said. I'll probably end up like Gerald McClellan, hashtag yes. man down. So now both of these are in bad taste and both of them just it kicked off in, in the boxing Twitterati and in, probably in the wider boxing universe. And it made it into national headlines as well. As in like my wife knew about it because she'd seen it on yeah. a, another website somewhere. And And here's the issue. And... I'm I'm conflicted, and not in the sense that I think Tyron Booth is right, but look at the views of the videos he did on IFL, right? People liked him on IFL. People followed him based on who he was. Not on necessarily. IFL. There was the one he did with Billy Joe Saunders, where he talked about yeah. when he got done for drink driving, yeah. and he was basically saying, "I wish I'd have just run off from the police. I could probably have got away yeah. from it." And so, so go back all, all of that stuff and and, <laughs> and and the stuff he was doing with Lee Noble. And you got a sense that you're like, mate, this guy's a car crash waiting to happen. And things kept happening and people kept going, that's just time booth being time booth. And people were like, I really like him. And then, th this, then this happened. And then you're like, 
mate, you're an asshole. But then he, I can understand him being annoyed because he's probably going, I've said much worse. <laughs> and you watched it. <laughs> and you watched it. I'm not sure that you could say much worse than I've been on a diet of cider. I could be the next Gerald McLennan. Like, that's a... That's a horrendous thing to say. And but just, he, he did stick it into McClellan in that video, though. Fuck. Man. I say, I didn't really watch all the video. I watched bits of it, and I just thought you were a dick. But um, the one that, you know, people hope that I end up dead like Scott Westgarth. Like, look, even right now, with the offence that you can take from those tweets, or if you don't take any offence, whatever, I don't want him dead. I don't want him dead. I don't wish death upon the man. I just think he's an absolute bellend. I mean, if you've got... Limited wishes. If you've got any wishes in life, you're going to have a limit, presumably. Yeah, if a genie pops out and says you've got three, one of them isn't time right, booth That time booth. <laughs> yeah. But, so, but, but, but here's the reality. He'll probably not box again. He'd been banned or temporarily suspended, yeah. I think, by the, the license revoked. But no, yeah. no promoter will touch him. But the, to also take the other side of this, I've made it clear. I think he's a knobhead. But. In the video he did straight after it, he also didn't backtrack from any single comment he made. I'm so used to seeing AJ got hacked, so-and-so got hacked, blah, blah, blah. Or like, oh, I'm really sorry for what I said. I was only told to do it because of this. Or, oh, I didn't realise what I was saying at the time. What Time Booth did is said, no, I stand by it. And if you took offence at that, that's your problem. It's not mine. I kind of respect that a little bit. That like, if you're gonna be, if you're gonna be a total utter dick, then stick to being a total utter dick. You know, if you're if you're the heel in wrestling or whatever they call it, it's the bad guy. The bad guy doesn't go, ah, you're a dick. I want you dead, and then go, oh, sorry, I didn't mean that actually. (laughs) Um, What I meant is, I really want you badly hurt. Now, Tyen Booth has said, you know, he's gone from like naught to ten on the offense scale, and then he's gone to eleven in his video. And so at least he's stuck by his own word and not tried to backtrack. You have to. There's a very small amount of me that respects what an idiot he is. I I mean, all right, but you could all, for me at least, you could achieve the same level of respect by saying, "Look, I've had to think about it, and actually, it was really out of order what no, I said." He did, no, because he doesn't believe that. So when O'Hara Davis said the stuff about Liverpool, yeah, I oh. kind of believe. Okay, he maybe didn't mean to offend Liverpool or when he said this, all the other offence things Robbie Davis Jr's dad and he comes out saying oh sorry I didn't mean that about Robbie Davis Jr's dad um, you know I don't I don't like it when somebody says oh I'm sorry because everybody's kicked off about it yeah. everybody kicked off about Ty and he went deal with it yeah. like that's it's a right. dick move yeah, maybe, but you have to respect that maybe, dick move maybe I mean like if you tried to add context to uh, the, the thing the point I was trying to get to was what I find no, no, he did add context. So, so I've seen the whole video. So that's but and, and, and what time? There's more respect in that than saying my phone got stolen and someone got yeah. onto my Twitter so, account. So what, what time Booth said was he said, "Look, right, there's a chance I could get killed in the ring, and I just use Scott Westgarth as a reference point. I meant no malice to it. I'm not. And he, he did. He said, "I'm devastated that a man's lost his life, but me tweeting that doesn't change that fact." And if you lot are sensitive, that's your issue. And then he moves on to the Gerald McClellan issue. And he goes, look, Gerald McClellan was a man that used to tape up the mouths of Labradors to feed to his pit bulls. And he was like, any man that does that to dogs, as far as I'm concerned, gets what he deserves in life. You know? So he's got his, he had his rebuttals, but it's, the damage is done because it's a perception thing. Yeah, it's still, you know, look, he didn't need to tweet those things out. That's the yeah. that's the bottom line of it, is he didn't need to cause that offence. But he's not someone who's scared of causing offence. Yeah. So we shouldn't be surprised that he's that much of a penis. 
Um, okay. It how- says us on this podcast. <laughs> we should have spent 20 minutes fucking off buns. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Hypocrite Podcast. Don't um, care. Not today. Harry CP asks... Who would you rank as the best white boxer of all time? The way Mayweather Boxing Gym had some interesting answers. Well, they, they, they struggled. Have you seen the video? They yeah. absolutely struggled. I think they couldn't think of a white boxer. Like, <laughs> not even the best. Like, they just couldn't think of one. Because then I... I bean. So, so I've tried it. <laughs> Dave... Uh, <laughs> and, and I've really struggled with this. Because... You're looking at like career longevity and stuff like that. And, you know, guys who were, you know, what you're really looking for is guys who were at, that, at the top, devastatingly, you know. And you can get names like Rocky Marciano and, you know. Would maybe, Klitschko enter the equation? I, I, my, in my head, I was thinking Vitali. And the reason I was thinking Vitali is I believe Vitali could hang in any era of heavyweight boxing. I think Vitali now, if Vitali trained to box now, he'd definitely get a title shot. You know, I think there's this, there was something about Vitali that was different. He was a big man who, not that he could box in multiple dimensions like Tyson Fury, but he could box in a really fluid way and a really intelligent way that would have seen him through. Let's not forget, like, you know, he was, he was giving Lennox Lewis all kinds of hell. I'm not going to say he was going to beat him, but no one had had Lennox that rattled since Haseem Rackman caught him cold. So for me, I'd say, for me, it was between Vitaly and Carl Froch, if I'm being honest with you, which, which I don't know, is that a damning indictment? <laughs> but I mean, there's two ways, you know, look, you can say Rocky Marciano. I've not seen enough of Rocky Marciano. I'll be I'm no historian. I don't know enough. Willie Pep. You know, the highlights, the, the videos I've seen of Willie Don't Pep. upset Paul Hindley right now. <laughs> but, you know, I'm, uh, cards on the table. I haven't sat and watched hours of footage of these guys. Um, I don't have the time in my life to do so. Never have done. Not for a long time. Um, so, like, those guys on paper, fantastic. Rocky Marciano retires 49. No, I don't know enough of their history to be able to make an educated viewpoint on whether they were the best or not the best. Um, you know, in my lifetime, yeah, you look at the the likes of Vitali, Joe Calzaghi, he could have a good shout for it. Um, but then everybody would always say with Calzaghi, yeah, but he didn't fight X, Y, and Z at their prime. He moved around. A lot of his WBO defenses were piss poor. Um, so there's always a, a counter-argument to Joe Calzaghi, which is why I can't say with any authority that Rocky Marciano's the best because I don't know the history. I don't know who he wasn't fighting at that point that could have taken away his his forty nine and zero record. So, Sonny Liston. Yeah, as I say, I'm not I'm not the historian enough to know these things. Should we call Spencer? <laughs> white what? <laughs> white what? <laughs> A what boxer? No white motherfucker steps in that ring. <laughs> um, Can we say Andy White? If you are Andy I mean, White, is the best undiscovered talent. The best white boxing. boxer. Yeah. Undefeated. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, I mean, you protected that O really well. 35 both. years and I counting. I protected both O's. I've got, two, <laughs> I've got two, I've got three O's technically. And uh, yeah, and I'll continue to protect them all. Um, so definitive answer, were you ha- having to give one? I'm going to say Vitaly. Andy White. That, I think, oh. They're close. Both of those answers are close. Would love to have seen them fight. Yeah. 
Unfortunately, Vitali's retired. Otherwise, I would. You well, I can't really come you, out you're calling retirement. him out now, right? Yeah, I'm, I, yeah, I'm happy to call him out. I hope he listens. Can you imagine two years' time in a boxing ring facing Charlie? In, in How did this even happen? <laughs> For fuck's sake! <laughs> um, How far in are we? We haven't even talked about fucking. Well, we're moving on now. About we got more questions, are we? Or are we going to come back to them? Well, we are going to come back. to My them. MD at work, someone. I can't be forgetting that. Okay. Pay rise uh, season. Mark Robinson asks, Hi, Mark. Who does the panel think will be the next three British first-time world champions? This is a great question. Ooh. Josh Taylor. Get that one out of the way. Um, uh, Huey Fury. I should have given us some thought, really. Um, so work for the divisions. Heavyweight, Dillian White's not going to be beating Deontay Wilder anytime soon, so... We're stuck there. Uh, cruiserweight, we've got nobody that's going to go up and take them out. Light heavyweight, we've got nobody that's going to be going in and... What? How dare you? How dare you? Nope. How dare <laughs> Standing you? Standing by it. How dare you? <laughs> the holy Kane Rose himself. The WBO European champion. He'll be yes. fighting Kovalev next. He's the, ranked the, number two now in the WBO. Well... Only because Kovalev's... I mean... He's had his soul stolen, hasn't he? So uh, he he doesn't want the Anthony Yard work. Listen, don't be surprised if Kovalev retires instead of facing Yard. So so, so there's a real possibility, but he's not on my list. So super Um, middleweight. um, There's nobody really knocking him. Smith, if he flukes a win. But he's got to fight Groves, presumably, assuming they work that out. I can't see him taking Groves out. And he's had enough world title opportunities. He was mandated to fight Darrell 1,295 days ago or something. <laughs> Still waiting on that one, Callum. Um, middleweight, what we got? Chris Eubank, if he went down to middleweight, you could make an argument, but then he's got to take out Saunders or Canelo or Golovkin, so no. it's not happening anytime soon. Uh, light middleweight. Ted Cheeseman, nah. Senior Byfield, nah. Uh, okay, welterweight. Who've you got? We've got a load of prospects coming through at welterweight. So it's going to be an adult baby, isn't it? Josh Kelly, you know, be. he's working his way through. Bradley Skeet. No. Bradley Skeet, he's had his fight postponed for the European. Um, I've seen tonight. So then you go down into super lightweight. We've got Josh Taylor. We've picked him out. Ahara Davis. No, I don't really see that happening anytime soon. Lightweight. Luke Campbell. Luke Campbell's a good shout. Um. Yeah, Luke Campbell. Ah, what about Scott Quigg? He's never held a real world title. That hasn't been emailed to him by the WBA. Um, you know, Oscar Valdez next weekend. He's got a good shot of winning that Quigg. He's. I'm going to throw him in. I'm going to go Scott Quigg, and I'm going to predict that he beats Oscar Valdez next week. So Josh Taylor, Scott Quigg. Oh shit! We still got to get another one. <laughs> um. Oh, you did could you say, say Luke Campbell or not? Yeah, well, Luke Campbell. You could say Josh Warrington if he beats Lee Settleby, he becomes the next British world champion. Um, Terry is just like in has gone catatonic. He just he just cannot. Oh mate, that's how bad our standards are that we're struggling. <laughs> we're picking Luke Campbell, <laughs> Josh Warrington. Fuck me. How far are you looking ahead at this point? The next couple of years. So Josh Kelly would be the dark horse, but again, at welterweight, you've got to hope that the likes of Errol Spence move up in the next couple of years. You bring Josh Kelly through 
And you know what Hearn's about. Hearn's about finding the right time to pick up a snide belt of some sort. Vacant. Yeah, that's what he's about. So the moment that opportunity comes, somebody who's dog shit out of South America gets flown over for Josh Kelly and he picks up a vacant title. That's the way I can see that possibly working out. Um, okay, but uh, consider that as as best you're going to get as an answer, Mark. Ask me in the office. <laughs> <laughs> um, LPC asks, do you think it's now time for... This is presumably in a response uh, during the aftermath to Scott Westgarth. Do you think it's now time for an MRI scan to take place immediately after a boxer has had a fight? LPC123 asks. Can we put some context around this that Bieber introduces hand scanners, right? So you use them before and after fights to pick up um, any changes, any immediate damage um, in the brain. I think they cost about, I don't know, say 30 grand each or something. Now, I've got a brother that works um, in, he's a um, a doctor in a university, deals with looking at concussions and things like that for uh, other sports, including he's doing some work with the NFL. And I've asked him before about his hand scanners, and he said, look, they're better than nothing, but they're not very good. Like, basically, this technology is like 15, 10, 15 years old, um, the results you're going to get out of it aren't conclusive and all it'll do is it might give you a little bit of a heads up that somebody's got a problem and then they might go and get checked. So look, it's better than nothing. It's 100% better than nothing, but it's not conclusive as much as we maybe sold the story by some of the people at Bieber that these are the future. These are how you stop brain issues. They're not necessarily that. Star Trek-esque. They are yeah, not. yeah. Don't be sold a narrative that these are the answer. These are part of an answer, perhaps. Um so look the question is if you want to bring in um if you want to bring in something that's going to conclusively say look Andy you've you're about to step into the ring I'll give you a scan you step out of the ring I'll give you a scan and those things are to find any issues with the brain that could cause a hemorrhage or could cause you longer term problems that is thousands yeah. hundreds of thousands of pounds of investment look at this weekend we've had a show in Brentwood, we've had a show at York Hall. We've had a show up in Sheffield. We've had a show in Scotland. There are probably others that I'm missing. Like, that's four venues where you're going to have to roll Ellen out. Road. Ellen Road, yeah, that's right, uh, on Friday night. You've got five venues there where you've got to roll out this equipment, and presumably you're going to need at least two of these things, whatever they are. I'm not even sure what's uh, available. Well, and this is what I was going to say. I'm not even sure you can get mobile MRI scanners because yeah. they're so, so massive. I think you can. And I know you get them in America, and that's how it works in America, whereby you can move them around. Oh, so, really? so from hospital to hospital. But again, think of the cost. You're looking at hundreds of thousands, thousands of pounds. Please. Who's going to pay for that? Like, the American already... healthcare system's cheap, though. <laughs> no, but, but here's a way to fix it. I, I, I've said this before. If you've got a 12-round fight between round six and seven, have a longer break. Let, let people drink stuff that's got metabolites in it. Actually, look, in the same way, look what happens in football. If there's a serious injury in football... They all come over to the touchline. They get their Lucozade or they get whatever drink it is that's been made for them and they consume <laughs> it. And, and we don't do that in boxing. In 2018, you're drinking fucking water when every piece of scientific evidence says that's the worst thing you can do. But like I say every week... Get them back out. Get the grey egg gang. Listen, mate, yeah? All this fucking Lucozade and that, Yeah? Honest Lucozade, like when I was young, mate, in the war and that, like rationing and that. I mean, we were drinking rainwater. I tell you what, that rainwater, 
gave me an extra bit of power. Like, like I remember I was boxing, boxing Dick McTaggart in the ABAs in that. Like, <laughs> I and I, 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 I would just digging to his ribs in that. Like, like it was that rainwater, mate. Yeah. So all you Namby Pamby new boxers with your fancy drinks and your isotonic stuff, like that bloody Adam Booth talking all that pseudoscience malarkey, mate. Listen, water, Vaseline. And a stool's all you need in the bloody corner, yeah? Uh, can I you just, shut can it, I mate. Oi, oi. We'll have Gray, less of that, Can mate. I ask you a question, Greyhead, man? Yeah, um, what? W- do we really need Vaseline? <laughs> yeah, fucking right you do. Isn't na- that a bit namby-pamby and soft? Nah, mate, yeah. Who look, look. water as well? Do you, know, do you know how many times I've been fucked in the arse by the judges, mate? <laughs> God, that's so, the look, wrong zone, So, look, it comes back to... Terry's right. There are quick and cheap and asked. simple solutions that can make this better for everybody. If you're looking at the more scientific solutions, ask yourself where that money's coming from. Because at the moment, fighters pay their board fees, promoters pay their board fees. There is an excess of cash within the British Boxing Board of Control. They've always got to be on their guard a little bit, given history about keeping a reserve of money in case there's ever any problems. Um, so I don't blame them for doing that whatsoever. But where is the money going to come from that's going to fund four venues on Saturday night, each having two MRI mobile scanners? Like plus operators. Plus operators. It's not, I have it's a not question, feasible. Mate. How dehydrated is a boxer typically after a 12-round fight? Bad. It's horrible. Right. It's is there, horrible. Is, and this is pure quick, I'm just going to put it out there. Is there... Will there be any reduction in, say, something like cerebral fluid? Given yes. Your cer- so, so, so your cerebral spinal fluid, I know this. because Which when would I, act as cushioning on the brain, So right? when I was ill a couple of weeks ago, I wasn't eating, I wasn't drinking because I was fucked. But I was coughing violently. And then I started to get sick physically. I went over to St. Thomas's Hospital and I talked the doctor through it. And I said, the only time this normally happens is if I get hit in the head playing rugby. And we started talking through what I'd been up to. And he was like, you're getting these mild traumas because you probably don't have enough CSF, cerebral spinal fluid. So as you're coughing violently, you're getting these minor traumas which trigger concussion-like symptoms. The body is so delicately balanced that when you're boxing for 12 rounds and you're sweating maybe four or five litres of fluids and metabolise out of well, you. Well, this so, is the yeah. key component, And, you, and you've already got yourself to an unnatural weight before yeah. it started. Yeah. I'm just thinking, like, if you... Water on its own does not allow you to rehydrate. It dilutes the metabolise out already. So if you put in... To some extent, like... I mean... <laughs> the, the classic example I look at is NASA spent... X amount of millions inventing a pen that could work in zero gravity, yeah. whereas the myth. Russians used yeah. <laughs> Russians not, not used a true. pencil, it's right? A myth. Re- yeah. Irrespective of whether it's yeah, true yeah, or it's not, it's not true because it's, it's, the, it's, the bits of graphite that come in a pencil actually don't stick to the paper because there's no gravity, and all it ends up right. doing is just getting everywhere. But even, but just, just to, even you know, if it is, regardless of that, the 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 moral of that story is on the your fact, mythical story. Well, it, it, it doesn't matter, but it does, it's, it's the fact that it's over-engineering it. Transporting hundreds of thousands of pounds worth of MI, MRI equipment around, could that potentially be, could the need for that be negated or at least to a point negated by actually allowing people to take on fluids during... Look, just 
here, you have that crate, you have that crate, all sealed bottles, so you guys get to break the seals yourself. It's exactly the same drink, so no one's got an advantage. And in that drink, it can be isotonic, so it gets straight into your system, or it can be of a greater density, so that it releases over the course of a fight. There are all these options, but here's the key one for me. Boxing in zero gravity? That would work, but here's the key one for <laughs> okay, me. Sir. The British board need to start looking at who they give licenses to. And nah, <laughs> no, no we, we, we do. We need to start saying, well, actually, it's dangerous to allow some of these guys. Because if you look at the guys who sustain these injuries and you look at what type of fighter they were normally classed as tough, durable, been around a bit, all that. So it, it's guys who are there to get beaten up. And I don't want to really disrespect them, but they're either journeyman or enhancement talent, generally speaking. I know there are exceptions like Gerald McClellan and so forth. But if you raise the skill level, particularly in terms of boxers who can actually defend themselves in the ring, could they have an effect? I don't know, but I think it's a debate that we should be having. You know, um, all of these things should be in play. How do we make boxing safer for everybody? Because, and I, I think we've discussed this via group chat, the knives are out for boxing. They are. like We, we live in a world now where boxing is the, probably the last primeval thing we do that these liberals and these feminists and these, you know, these Some beta feminists. males, these just Twitter haters are all looking to savage. It just seems to me that, that the whole argument of PEDs, when you take PEDs, you're, in you're endangering the person across the other ring to you. But on that same spectrum, at the other end of it, by not taking on the right things that are available to you in this day and age, you're potentially endangering yourself more, or exposing yourself to more danger than is, in, is inherent in the sport anyway. 100%. Then, then you need to. You've got fighters fighting a weight so they shouldn't be fighting at. You've got people taking things they shouldn't be taking. There are risks that are built into the sport that <laughs> do the sensible things and try and mitigate the main yeah. risks. Yeah. You know, read uh, Craig of Fight Talk did a fantastic piece with Tyler Goodjohn. It's harrowing where he talks about his fight with Tyrone Nurse and how he made weight for that, and then how he was dealt with by the promoter after the fight. Um, who was the promoter? It was a matchroom show. Um, oh, okay. Don't know who it is. <laughs> uh, but it's a brilliant piece. So just read that. If you ever want to read about the, the sacrifice and how hard it is to get down to those weights and, and why you're doing it. Because somebody tells you, somebody is in your ear saying, look, there's no fights at your weight. You need to go down another seven pounds. Well, you're already at an unnatural weight. You need oh. to go seven pounds lower than that. And then you'll get bigger fights. And so, like, for a young man who's trying to make their way in a sport, you j just read it. Craig at Fight Talk, piece of uh, Tyler Goodjohn, phenomenal. Um, okay, let's move on then. Let's talk about Brooke Rabchenko. Um, you know, speaking as we did about really important world titles and stuff, um, Brooke won a title last night, didn't he? When it for like the silver. Oh, who gives a fuck? <laughs> like, these things are horrendous. But he was wearing it on his shoulder. Oh, it's embarrassing. Again, I didn't I see it. I loved your face. Uh, no, I didn't. Yeah. Mate, the look on your face. Total bollocks. <laughs> but again, I didn't see it, so I can't really add any context. The only thing I can say about this before Terry goes into the technicals is that in the press conference afterwards, Eddie Hearn says 154 pounds, Kel Brook would definitely beat Errol Spence. <laughs> 
The same well, Errol actually, Spence. There's a question about The that. same Errol Spence has just taken him to school, smashed that other eye socket up to pieces, made him quit. That's not a horrible term. Made him quit. Rightly so. He, he quit for the right reasons. I, no I'll, problem. I'll be honest. Spence could weigh in at 147. I'd still back him to be Brook weighing in at 154. 100%. So what is it about those rounds, the very limited rounds that we saw at Kel Brook last night? Against his sparring partner, probably his mate. Yeah. But what is it about that that's given Eddie Hearn this unholy faith that Kel Brook would now beat mm. <laughs> the man who's just fucking destroyed his face? seven pounds higher up like what is it about those because we were told that at 160 pounds Kel Brook could beat Gennady Golovkin because that's where he was comfortable at that was his natural fighting weight but now apparently 154 is his natural fighting weight and he definitely beat Errol Spence like you're such a charlatan shut the fuck up sometimes I reckon I'd beat Wilder right at 50 pounds. 50 pounds. Let's get ourselves so... He'd have to be a lot skinnier and a lot more frail than me. So by that point, I might have just enough power. Maybe that's your fight with Vitali <laughs> in two years' time. But his, I'll fight you at straw As weight. I say, look, I hate being seen as somebody who's overly critical about everything, but if Eddie Hearn ever wants us to believe as fans anything that comes out of his mouth, then he can't be coming out with stupid comments like... Brooke beats Errol Spence 154 pounds just because he's beaten Rabchenko. That's the only fight he's ever had of that weight, and it's gone a handful of rounds. You can't. Uh, he, he's fought. He's fought. That's the 13th fight of that weight. Oh yeah. <laughs> we for, we forget when he couldn't be asked to make 147, right? <laughs> right. Everyone forgets those times where he was fighting at 158, 152. Brook rarely makes 147 unless it's for a title. So this is this whole, oh, his debut at 154, another time Hearn talks out of his ass. Listen, that thing wasn't even a fucking sellout, man. Let's be honest. It was it was a disaster. You know what I mean? Bramwell Lane, because Bramwell Lane, Shepard, I just don't care. But I'm hearing rumors that they were just handing out tickets to people. Like, there you go. Why don't you, why don't you lot go, man? You, you valiant ambulance workers, you. Why don't you go? Save on paramedics fees and shit. I don't know. But Brooke's in trouble because whatever Eddie Hearn tries to say, Brooke doesn't sell out Sheffield. So you don't imagine Hearn has a strong enough foothold in Sheffield. Maybe he should partner up with Chris Smedley. Don't know. It's just a suggestion. Uh, just a shout out to Brit British Boxing Blog who asked, how do you, how does the pod see Brooke against champ the champions at 154? Which you can still answer, actually. Um, and what would £7... Uh, how much would seven pounds difference make against Spence, which obviously we've answered as what in his purse? <laughs> <laughs> um, but they how could buy him some Vaseline. How do you see Brooke well, against the champ? He's already got that. The <laughs> other champions at one five four. He gets smashed. That both eye Every sockets get smashed. Yeah, they're all punched. He's like a Terminator now, all, though. All those, all that, those. Then, uh, I mean, a as then he goes into bars and tells men to take their clothes off. <laughs> I'm stronger. Stronger <laughs> Sorry, than I ever. I steal that from Paul Hindley on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great line. 154 is like 175. All the champions there can bang. <laughs> I need your clothes, <laughs> your boots, and meet me in the fourth cubicle in 20 minutes. <laughs> So, look, Kel, Kel, don't, don't bring a knife. <laughs> don't be surprised if they try and go for Saddam Ali. They'll see him as the weakest champion and they'll try. You'll hear her making noises about Saddam Ali in no time at all, I promise you. Not realizing Saddam Ali can actually box ex 2008 Olympian, I think. Um, Danny Watley asks why, when asked about Brooke versus Khan, 
does Eddie seem to pass it off? Why does he put obstacles in the way? And why can't he just say, yes, I'll make the fight happen? He doesn't because Khan doesn't want the fight. That's it. Like, Hearn wanted to sign Khan's him. Khan's calling Amir. out AJ now, is he? Well, no, no. but <laughs> Again, but, but you're, after he banged his wife. You're, you're signing Amir Khan because Sky are like, mate, you're lacking star power, yeah? Go and get someone who can make a difference. Amir Khan. You know, in those negotiations, Khan was there going, yeah, but don't talk to me about the Brook fight. Okay, we won't talk about the Brook fight. Khan's probably gone there on purses of like 500,000, 750,000, 1 million or something. Guaranteed purses. Same, same Buglioni contract. I've no idea what Buglioni's contract is. I think that's is. the same same figures. How would you know? Um, Frank's a good friend of mine. Okay. He knows the ins and outs of everyone's financials. Do you not remember the uh, conversation? Sorry, Johnny Nelson's mortgage. <laughs> <laughs> but the fact is... He hasn't like, got one anymore. <laughs> Johnny Nelson's mortgage. He's gone there, presumably, on guaranteed purses that will rise and rise. And then with whatever additional, if he's on pay-per-view, gets X percent of the pay-per-views or owns those shows, as Eddie puts them. Um, but yeah, the fact is, like, he doesn't need Brooke. He's financially set. Brooke's just going to be left waiting. Good. <laughs> yeah, because Khan's not stupid. Khan's like, I don't really need that fight. Like, what, what, what if I, what if I've still got it at one four seven? Look, at, I can clean up here. I don't need Kel Brook. And and don't underestimate how malicious boxers can be to each other. <laughs> so true. Okay, so let's move on to Dave Allen versus Lemroy Thomas. Uh, he came on saying this was going to be his. Watch out! We're gonna have this great performance. It was his moment. Ne- the next tweet I saw was, "I'm sorry." So I don't actually see what happened. What happened, and but why did he feel the need to apologise? Basically, the the fight was ruled a non no contest. Um, Lenroy Thomas goes to throw a left uppercut to the body, um, and in the process of doing, then surges forward at the same time Dave Allen does, and they cr- they clash heads, and it. It's one of those clashes you knew was bad immediately because Lenroy's got quite a sizable skull, as has Dave Allen. It was like two mastodons crashing together in the Neolithic times whenever it was they were around. <laughs> he's and, and, and the thing is, you could just see it immediately. This is a massive cut across Dave Allen's eyebrow. Yeah. And in my head, I was like, just get to the end of the round, see if the corner can fix it. But the ref went straight away to the doctor and the doctor was like, no point in this carrying on which you can't really dispute. So basically the fight's over in under three minutes. And Dave looked distraught in the ring. Do you know when you're watching someone and you're like, mate, please hold it together because I don't want this to to end badly live on TV. But you could see all that emotion he had invested just came out. Because that's what, bo- like people, boxing's an incredibly emotional sport. And you need that that focus for it. And normally he's punching someone in the face. Once that goes, <laughs> that energy goes in any one of a thousand different ways, sometimes even a thousand different ways. And you can see it in Alan where he's just trying to dissipate anger, frustration, emotion, relief, everything. And he 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 genuinely looked distraught. And I felt for him because Hearn's talking about making that fight again. And I'm like, no one really cares anymore, mate. Like, I think spiritually we're all past the Dave Allen, Lenroy Thomas fight. Just put him in with someone British. Like, look, I'd rather Joe Joyce went and fought Lenroy Thomas now. Thomas doesn't need that long to recover. He didn't take any punches. Let Joe Joyce fight him. Make a bit of money. And then let Alan fight the winner. I think it would be Joyce. But let Alan go and fight the winner when he comes back. 
but let's keep the belt rotating. They need to be kept apart for a while. Like, if you're going to build that fight once again, as you say, like, we've all invested in Dave Allen as fans. And that was hard. I mean, that's one of the few that I have seen, actually, because it was, you know, under three minutes. It was like my sex. Um, so I, I could watch that and... That suggests it could be up to two minutes and 59 seconds, though. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I fell for him. But, you know... There's still fights around at British level. Sam Sexton, Huey Fury's coming up. Like, if somehow Sam Sexton won that by a miracle, which I think it'd have to be, go and fight Sam Sexton for the British. Um, I can't imagine Huey Fury's going to hold on to it. If he wins it, he probably wants to move back up. He'll probably vacate it. Go and find a fight around there somewhere. When your eyebrows healed up, he'll probably need probably what, six to eight weeks before you can even go back sparring, depending on how deep that cut is. The mere fact that you're both struggling to see which direction it goes in next. Yeah, but I mean, that's because, you know, nobody anticipated that as an outcome. So now you've got to start from zero again. But look, I'm going to be, you know, when I looked at Dave in the ring on Saturday, yesterday, well, fucking hell, sorry, because guys might listen to this in the week. So on Saturday, he looked like someone where I'm like, I think you could have done a bit more in camp and that's not to take shots, but Dave has a massive lower half, right? And not really a big upper half. And you worry that he's going to start getting bullied about by some of these big heavyweights. And if Dave has a couple of months where he can't spar, I'd like to see him actually focus on getting a little bigger up top because when he starts to fight some of these guys upper level, like, imagine him against Jarrell Miller, all 21 stone of him. And you've got Miller just leaning and bullying him. Let's let's be brutally honest. What is what is his uh, highest achievable, real, realistic achievable push, target? He might win a British title. If he can find the right opponent, there's every chance he could do that. He's never yeah. going to win a world title. He'd be the first to tell you that. But that's fine. That's okay. We're okay with that. As long as he can keep up being Dave Allen and we can all invest in that and he sells a lot of tickets on the back of just being Dave Allen not because he's a world class superstar but because he's a personable bloke Um, and shout out to him he wore his carrying more trainers his sports direct 15 pound carrying more trainers into the ring last night the amount of small hall guys I see that invest like 130 quid 130 quid Reebok boots or whatever Nike Zoom 600 quid on their Suzy Wong um, shorts and all that stuff and I think Dave Allen in his biggest fight has gone out there and bought some 15 quid sports direct trainers and gone into the ring to do a job that's why we invest in Dave Allen because he's one of us Yeah, and you have to like that and so look let him go away let him you know he's going to be on a bit of a downer and we all appreciate that Dave if you're listening keep it all together yeah don't don't don't, don't piss away your talent mate because you're a you're a good man above all else mate you're a good man like, you know I mean, when I was in Sheffield, I got to spend hours with Dave. When he said that I was a favourite podcaster. Uh, well, he was, he was no, confused. No, 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 there's no grey area about this. <laughs> I think his views have changed now. We, <laughs> we, we need to revisit this topic. So, but, yeah. But yeah, I think the point for my, for my view is Dave may stay on the path and stay focused because I want him to win. Yeah, we'd all, we'd all delight in seeing him raise a yeah, British definitely. title or a Commonwealth title. Thirded. Uh, yeah, good luck, Dave, with your future. Uh, let's move on to Gavin McDonald versus Gamalia Fai. I always said this was one bookie the bookies got wrong. I imagine, you know, people made a stack load of money. I'm, Six to one points for McDonald. Yeah, I, 
I thought that was the most, I was like, the bookies have got this wrong because the Yafais are massively overrated. and I've got no issue with them as people. I think they're good, but they don't have that grit. You know, you can look good boxing for GB because you're not really required to have that grit. It's three, three minute rounds. You're pretty much in and you're out. What McDonald did was say, how badly do you want to be in this ring with me? Because I'm enjoying being in the ring with you. And just just broke him down. And you look, there were photos Steffi Ball put up after the fight where him and Gavin went out for a drink and like celebrating. And Gavin McDonald's face is busted up. Like black eyes, swollen nose. You know, if you saw him walk past you in the street, you'd be like, you've had it on a Saturday night in a Weatherspoons or whatever. Like, he looks like a man who's been in a fight. <laughs> it's always a Weatherspoons. Ah, that's where trouble is. Scumbags. <laughs> nah. We all go there. <laughs> <laughs> get in trouble. <laughs> um, but, you know, look, he, he's a man from Doncaster who didn't start boxing until his brother Jamie won a European title. What's that, five years ago? Yeah. And so he's not had the whole GB setup. He didn't start boxing until he's in his 20s, Gavin McDonald. He's just a hard fucker from Doncaster that's from, like, a hard place. And he's a hard man. And so you've got all the flair and the skill of the Yafais against the grit, determination, and, frankly, like, horribleness, willing to stick it out of a McDonald. So don't forget, Gavin McDonald fought for a world title two fights ago. Was I think Ray it Vargas? was. Ray Vargas, a Mexican that came over to the ice arena in Hull. Gavin McDonald, it might have been like shown up in that fight a bit, but against somebody who's on the up and somebody who's inexperienced, well done. Well done. How much bigger did he look though? <laughs> McDonald looked massive compared to your fight. I'm looking at your fight going... But- you're in round 10 now, right? This guy's bigger than you. He looks fresher than you. I don't see what you're going to do to to win this. And credit to your five for actually toughing it out and getting to the end. Yeah. Others would have quit. And I love those McDonald brothers. They'll fight anyone, anywhere. Like, they don't care. So you've got Jamie McDonald's like, yeah, I'll go and fight Nayo Inoue over in Japan. <laughs> Like, this feared monster coming up from Super Flyweight who's going to, like, take over the division. And Jamie McDonald's like, right, as long as the money's okay, I'll get on that plane and I'll go and fight him. Jamie McDonald went and fought, um, what was his name? Tomoki Yeah, Tomoki Kameda out in America. Twice. Twice. Like, upsets the odds once and then says, okay, as long as the PBC money's there, I'll go back and I'll do the job again. So you've got this unfancied geezer from Doncaster rocking up to a PBC show in America and upsetting, granted not home because Kameda wasn't an American, but he was the home fighter in a sense of being PBC. He's gone there and done it twice. Like These lads are just and, tough and, as and males. Look, look at how little love Hearn shows the McDonald's. Yep. Uh, yeah, 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 fuck off and go and box in Monaco. Why? Why, 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 why couldn't that Sheffield Carter had Gavin and JB McDonald on there? You know? really load up that card and go, I'm going to show love to all these guys who are helping me have a presence in Yorkshire. Guys, there you go. I mean, nice little check for Steffi Ball. No, he loves the pound note. Shout out to Steffi. I bet he listens. But, you know, shout out to the McDonald's, man. Like, everyone forgets that it was Dennis Hobson that believed in Jamie back in the day. And Hearn apparently nicked him. And that's why those two, you know, look at each other a little differently. But, I think, how to summarise that card? It was a bullshit card, if we're being honest. It's trash. The, the, the McDonald fight saved it, but it was a bullshit card in a half-sold arena. Oh, and sadly it's, familiar. 
Just hearing that. But, you know, like, I haven't seen any of it at all, apart from the Dave Allen fight. And normally, if I've missed, like, a decent card, I'll go back and I'll catch the bits that I want to see on the Sunday. I'll find a way to do it. I have no inclination to go back and get a hold of any of that footage whatsoever. None of it. Um, I just... Hopefully, you'll indulge me here. Feel free to tell me if this doesn't make any sense. But I just want to... We will. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure you will. Who's been the, in your opinion, who has been in the his, in the history of boxing the most successful, worst boxer? Do you know what I mean? Someone who you would look at in the ring and go, "Fuck me, he can't fucking box," but then somehow he manages to win a become undisputed. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Someone like a John Mugabe. It, it has to be someone like that who can punch really hard and is tough. But I'm, I'll get pulled up if someone says, "No, Mugabe is quite a decent boxer." Um, but he seemed quite agricultural when you watched him against Hagler. So maybe someone like that. Or, now Herbie Hyde wasn't too bad, actually. He could box. Ah, fuck. I think you're probably looking at the heavyweights, aren't you? That's why I'm I'm racking my brains going through that. I don't know. I think it's very hard to be... Bellew. Wild and crazy. <laughs> well, but, 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 no, no. Homer Simpson <laughs> but, of boxing. No, he won the ABAs for anyone says, oh, no, yeah. you know, we want to no, 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 I, I think, I think, it, all right. I think at the top level, it's hard to find someone going very far without being able to box. You know, the the bastard in me would have said, look at 175 in the UK, but, you know, I probably wouldn't. <laughs> but you don't want to call out Anthony Yard like that. <laughs> but look, someone like a Nick Blackwell, you know, he's come from the unlicensed scene and gone on to win the British middleweight title. So many lads we see from the unlicensed scene come through and they're frankly like not very good. Nick Blackwell was, to borrow Terry's term, agricultural, come forward, hands up, but he could whack and he could take a punch. And you know, like that got him the Eubank fight. And granted, that Eubank fight was the start of his downfall, but. He he achieved relative success against what his skill set was. Okay, thank you. Um, MTK. Wait, hold on. Maybe that 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 Strisaket guy that beat Chocolatito. <laughs> he looked, he looked like he had just come off the streets of Bangkok and just came for a rap. And he beat Estrada last week. Yeah, as well. he might be. He might be the <laughs> the guy we're talking about. The MTK show. Another show where we weren't invited to do commentary. So Ooh. every bit that I watched, it was on it was on mute. Um, and I, to be fair, so to be I'm fair, boo all the way through yeah, this. Right, yeah, yeah. to be fair, I only watched Dan Aziz box. Um, the rest of the card was of no interest. <laughs> uh, you know, if I'm not commentating on something, I don't really care about it. But I care about Dan Aziz and what a performance from Dan Aziz. Um, I remember before he turned over, I was talking about Dan Aziz going, listen, deceptive. You used to say that he used to hit you in the ribs and then you go, oh, where did that come from? And, and, remember, and remember, after the first fight, I know people are like, and I don't see what the fuss is about here. I think yesterday when you saw a guy try and have a go. So it was so funny because Dan's got this thing where his punch mechanics are identical, whether it's a hard shot or a tap, the punch mechanics are the same. And you could just see the guys there just going, I don't know what's about to come my way. Fuck. And he lumped him with a right hand and Dan didn't even look like he was trying. And the guy just fell over. It was, it was like someone had thrown a can of soup at his head and he'd just gone over, splat. Give him his due, got back up, had to take more of that punishment and ref was like, nah, 
I'm going to show mercy on you. But it was a great performance. I really liked seeing that in Dan. Um, Poor commentary, though. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I haven't I heard it, but didn't listen. Yeah, it, it, it needed it needed us. us. It wasn't good. I think, yeah, I think it needed us to really add that 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 sizzle to it. But look, for someone that young, I'd say throw him in with someone like an Andre Sterling. Just let these guys that came up in the amateurs fight each other. Let's stop pussyfooting around trying to build records. Let them fight each other because that fight means something. If someone says to me in London, Andre Sterling is fighting Dan Aziz. You buy a ticket. I buy a ticket because I'm like, shit, this is just a reunion of all of us lot. Or everyone will know each other. Yep. So why not do that? Instead, I've got one guy on a Heliot show, one guy on a Mo Pry. I don't, give a, I don't care about all of this division. I just want it all to happen. They should be... May, ooh, nearly knocked the mic over there. Sorry, guys. Maybe, a fit of rage. May, yeah, maybe it's time we had a cartel again. And we had Steve, Mo, and all these guys just divvying up who fights who and when. Because these fights need to happen, surely, man. Like, I can't, I can't abide the idea that Craig Richards gets to twenty and zero, Boatsy gets to twenty and zero, Andre Sterling gets to twenty and zero, Danny Dignam gets to twenty and zero, Dan Aziz gets to twenty and zero, Umar Sadiq gets to twenty and, and none of them are for each other. I'm like, fucking hell, come on, man, just get it all in the mixer. Even if it's like catchweights, I don't care. Just get all these guys in the mixer. That's how they become ticket sellers. Any other business? Um, shout out to Sam Smith. Great win from the from the little bits of video footage I saw. Um, you know I mean, you know, I like it when something goes from oh Terry's just talking about his mates into something that's quite tangible and you can follow the progress. And Sam might be the most relevant woman in female boxing right now because she's showing how you do it without a platform. You build your own platform. You graft, you grind, and you get there. She's not there hashtagging pave the way. She's not out there almost trying to create a knighthood or damehood for herself. She's just there grafting, looking to beat people up in a boxing ring. And there's nothing, there's nothing more satisfying than that, just watching someone graft their way to where they believe their talent can take them, knowing that they don't have forever to do it. I am going to give a shout-out to my mate, um, Brad Paul's fighting next weekend show that I'm at Goodwin show um, first relevant fight really of his career you know the step up fight Diego Burton tricky uh, fight it is Diego Burton's been in with Mullender Markham you know those tough tough robbed lads against Mullender that was a Goodwin show wasn't it I think it was fucking robbed yeah God smoking Joe but you know those tough lads the Essex lads around that weight division yeah. Brad Pauls is going in. Southern area title eliminator. Diego knows what he's doing in that ring. Brad Pauls needs to be on his game. Um, I've seen pictures of him. I've seen clips of him. He's in fucking pristine condition. He's an advert to all the lads that don't make the weight. Go and look at someone like Brad Pauls, how they're doing it. You know, he's balancing that with a full-time job, doing all these things. But it's a brilliant fight. That one. I cannot wait be for next Saturday cause, night. Because Diego's a big middleweight. He is. He he's is huge and middleweight. Brad isn't a huge middleweight. He's muscular, but a lot of his weight's carried in the muscles. He's yeah. not physically like big, imposing. I suppose mm. is the word. Like Diego is. You look at Diego, you're like, fuck yeah, I saw, middleweight. I saw Diego at Christmas, and uh, yeah, he's just he's a big lad. But Brad can whack. Brad can box. He's got a lot of stamina about him. But it's his first ten round fight. If it goes the distance, he's got a hope that he's. He's budgeted that gas across the the whole thing. So Goodwin Boxing next week at York Hall. I really look forward to that. Brad's a, a stable mate of Linus who we had on the other week. Who, who else is on? 
I can't remember, to be honest. It's just that fight I'm focusing on right now. Um, Kay Prosper was meant to be on against it's, Nathan Vies, but I'm trying to think who's making their debut his hand. on the 10th. Um, Dion Juma fought last night. Dion Juma yes. returned, knocked somebody out in one round, gone up to cruiserweight, ex-Sowellan fighter. A lot of people have huge hopes for Dion. Friends huge. of George Groves. In, really interesting story with Dion Juma. So, mates with George Groves. Groves is like, yeah, why don't you stop all that kickboxing? Why don't you come down to Dale Youth? Goes, turns out he's actually quite a damn good boxer. Um, gets unlucky in the ABAs a couple of years, wins the ABAs. No pathway to GB, so turns over. And turns over with the Saulins. Fight Doesn't really fight in the UK, fights here, there and everywhere. I think he got disillusioned with the sport, didn't feel it's getting the push. So he stopped for a while, but I know he picked up again with, with Gary Logan. And I know Gary was badgering him for ages to to resurrect his career. So it'll be good to see what Dion's got in the tank. He's not that old. He's 27, 28, surely. And, you know, these are good years for him. At least he's boxing in his prime years. So definitely a factor at English level. I know Martin's a fan of Arfan Iqbal. So I think he could be a factor at English level. But I think guys like Matty Askin, because remember, Matty Askin himself is an ABA champion. And Matty Askin is one huge man. It'll be interesting to see how Dion uh, adapts to cruiserweight coming up from light heavy or whether he goes back down in time. Because um, he's not that big for a cruiserweight, but he's a hell of a boxer. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, keep an eye out for him. Made his return last night, first round knockout. It's fair, like I said, I said the same thing to Isaac. I said, when you're a cruiserweight, you want to be coming down to cruiser. You don't want to be floating around in the, yep. mix, in the mix of that weight because... You've got these big lumps like Matty Askin. Matty Askin must walk around at about 15 and a half. Matty Askin, I remember watching him and Lawrence Bennett in a fight where they fell out of the ring. And it was honestly like two just juggernaut men. You sit there wondering, I don't know how either of you have made 200 pounds. Lawrence Bennett was a huge structure of a man. Swindon cruiserweight, retired due to a brain issue. Um, shout out, one of the nicest men you'll ever meet as well, Lawrence. But you stand next to him and you're like, he looks like a big heavyweight. And he somehow made it down to Cruiser. But him and Matty Askins, going back October 15, I think, uh, tangled up like first round, fell out of the ring together, landed on a table, went through the table. Like uh, yeah, yeah. Like Matty Askin ended up on a stretcher being taken out of their English title fight. It was, it was an incredible moment, like crazy to be there. Um, but yeah, so I don't know where I'm going with that. But Matty Askin's a huge fella fighting Stephen Simmons. Not the weekend coming fella. up, but a weekend. Hey, Wade, we are glass jaw, Wade. Wade, that'll be interesting actually because Waddy's fighting on that card as well. And those two fucking hate each other. Yeah, that, that, like, that hatred is real. Yeah, yeah. It's not like they kind of dislike each other over social media. I know Waddy. Waddy really dislikes Stephen. I suspect it's pretty mutual. Yes. York Hall doesn't have a lot of space between those changing rooms. <laughs> I think Haymaker needs to be careful you, who gets placed hearing, where. That's all you hear. Hey, Glassjaw, when I'm done with him, it's you. <laughs> um, that, that, that press conference is brilliant. So, yeah, that is it, really. Next weekend, um, get down to your call. Trying to think. Shouts out to Thomas Asomba. I hear he's back in the game. One of my favourite kind of adult baby fighters. Is he now nationalised? Because how is he fighting for an English title? I don't understand. I think he's got indefinite leave to remain. And I don't. I think it's just you can fight for one if you've been resident in this country. And he's been resident since 2012. So I can't imagine there's a barrier. I'm not sure. It. I think it's a passport thing. Like C.R. Osgul can't fight for an English. Why not, mate? Yeah, he's Turkish. Turkish. 
Um, Only English boats are the English boys. Yeah, so I, I don't. It's not a criticism. Brexit. And good luck to Thomas. And yeah. brilliant that he won that fight. But I'm still confused how he fights for an English. Um, I'm trying to think who else. Hey, British boxing blog guys, talk to me about Lawrence Osueki. What the hell's happened to him? They'll know. Originally NASA astronauts, like Soviet cosmonauts. For fuck's sake, have you been looking this up for the last however long? Used pencils. Um, yeah, but find find the bit where NASA invested billions into a pen that no, worked up. They in didn't. Space. They didn't. They they subcontracted it to someone else who did it. Um, what what actually happened was that the the outrage happened when they paid four thousand three hundred and eighty two dollars for thirty four mechanical pencils, Brilliant. which worked out to one hundred and twenty eight. Was that pounds. one of those little big ones that you had at school where you click the click, end? That's it, oh, yeah. they were brilliant. And because you get because the refill, the pencil refills, so you had to take the rubber off the end and feed them in. <laughs> the tips flake off. That's how I took the rubber off the end. I end up with a kid. And they uh, the tips <laughs> break. <laughs> anyway, yeah, they're flammable. Pencils are also flammable. So some uh, Fisher company, what just, um, they invested one million to create a pressurized cartridge, which then NASA bought. For so, sake. Just to clear up, the New Age boxing does not feed you. Does myths. not endorse myths. Yeah. Are oh, we going to give away a T-shirt? I mean, we ter- we, do- <laughs> we have terrible um, lit- litigious opinions yeah, at yeah. times. But um, yeah, we contradict ourselves hourly. Yeah, we're um, gross hypocrites. Yeah, <laughs> but we are not. We are not <laughs> putting up with myths, and- <laughs> especially about space travel. Yeah, we're going to um, give away a T-shirt. Right, How I, are we going to do this? I, I asked you boys to think about this. Neither of you fucking have. Well, um, we we'll have to postpone it. What about a picture of a? You in the craziest place? What listening to the podcast? No, no. that's terrible. Wh- whoever can find us the most salacious Michelle Joy Phelps picture might be <laughs> or from, tweet. Yeah, might be from a boxer's phone. Anything. <laughs> whoever can find um, the most salacious Michelle Joy Phelps. Let's open image. up our DMs for the week, my, so you can just send them straight through. Yeah. My innocent, my innocent suggestion gets shot. No, that's rubbish. Straight away, let's we turn want it, the worst. Let's take it to the New Age Boxing <laughs> Podcast version of Babe Station. <laughs> Got to take it to where it needs to go. We want to drain the sewer, right? So, the worst Michelle Joy Phelps image. I'll open up my DMs for the week. What? Send them through. Really? <laughs> Send them through. Whoever sends the worst, we'll do it anonymously if you want as well. Any box out there listening, if you've got any... (laughs) Maybe we'll put it off for a week. (laughs) Yeah, please don't send these pictures in. I I don't even feel comfortable being associated with this in any way, so... No, we'll put it off for a week. Someone come up with an idea of how we can give away a t I've got a load of... There you go. If you can't have a great idea of how we can give away more T-shirts, you can have a T-shirt. Fuck off. Why not? I'm not made of T-shirts. How many have you got? More than one. More than one. There you go. Give one to the person who thinks of a great competition. That's their easy... Oh, yeah, I've got a great idea. There you go, there's a T-shirt. Like the rest of you chumps in some oh, battle you over there, you have a T-shirt. You have a T-shirt. <laughs> Fuck me. You made the T-shirt, you prick. <laughs> You're going to give it away for people sending in... I'm going to give one. You're giving away eight. I haven't even got eight. (laughs) How how long is this one? Is this another classic? (laughs) As if anyone's listening now. (laughs) (laughs) Is it just us? Um, But yeah, no. Shout out to Artie Star who have made us uh, some t-shirts and hoodies. 
Terry's now got his hands on a hoodie. Yeah, shouts out. Um, yeah, I'm all over it. I'm, I'm a brand ambassador. So, now. Artist Star, they've done brilliant. Like, it's the second lot of clothing I've had out of them. They do brilliant clothing, personalized, customized, very, very good pricing. Yeah, get on board. Who was the company that did our banner that time? Uh, discount displays. Wow. So I, when I, did you find that out? It just it was on the tip of my tongue. It always is, <laughs> <laughs> like a sourlin with a drug problem. Mate, I'm I'm shot. Um, shot. Yeah. Up to this point, thank you. Just to reiterate what Martin said there, thank you to everyone that has helped support this podcast from the start. Million percent. Um. Uh. Thank you, and that includes all the listeners that have sent him questions and come to all of our shows etc <laughs> all point. of our shows uh, well, all of our one, one show we're right. working on another one but yeah and, yes. and, and our and, public and get together everyone that listens to this be prepared to buy a ticket yeah we'll get it we'll get it announced hopefully in the next couple of I weeks don't hear any excuses no stag dudes nothing like that they cancelled everything when we announced the date right cancel everything <laughs> it might be a co-promotion with Matchroom we don't know yet I imagine I, it won't when based I, on today when I was in the army you used to have something behind called, the gloves they, will be involved <laughs> They had something in Germany called a five fennec bet, and apparently you couldn't turn down a five fennec bet. Now I, I went to Germany like a German reference uh, to where, the old currency. Yes, because I I turned up in Germany two months after it had changed the euro. But apparently one guy got given a five fennec bet to to, to cancel his wedding, <laughs> and he did. So what if f- someone would turn down a wedding, cancel a wedding for a five fennec bet, no, you have to cancel anything to come to our stag. Is it any uh, to come to our stag? Is it any link to back to? to- <laughs> We'll, we'll make it a stag do. Yeah. You can, I'll bet you five fennix you won't propose to your <laughs> missus when you go back tonight. Uh, okay. I'm going to make a listen then. <laughs> um, right, let's get out of here. I'm yeah, done. I'm done. Shot. Thank you very much. At New Age Boxing UK, at the Seven Wolves. Um, uh, just give them it, the new. It, this will be out by the time you listen to it. What's the email? I've no idea. Someone was asking for the other day. No, no, they don't Boston. need it, right? No Just tweet. New Cat Outlook. If your question's too long to go on Twitter, you've got the wrong question. Yeah, that's true. Especially as it uh, yeah. went up to two hundred. You know characters. my attention span. Yeah, oh, look, yeah, we're 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 a Twitter only platform. Nobody is listening right now. Yeah. Okay. Let me just run you through NASA and their pen- <laughs> Paul C. Fisher and his company, the Fisher Pen Company. I'm gonna get it up, I'm gonna get it up.